For those of us who see the patterns in the world around us, the grieving process after a tragedy like the one in Uvalde, Texas, might be slightly different than the rest of those around us. We still discover the news in similar ways through notifications, things sent to us from friends, or shows like this. We receive the information, but it processes differently because we know there is more to look for. Past the emotions, past the media circus, there's a plan. One meant for all of us, but not by us. A plan to do what man has always tried to do, and that's rule over others by will or by force. And we at the New Prisoners and all of you listening to this reject that plan. We grieve differently, but we still grieve. For those on the other side and for those closer to ours that don't understand that very point, here's my take on it at least. We can no longer trust what we are being told on the news. No matter what team presents it to us, we have learned to become critical over the past several years and some of us a lot longer. And we know now that emotional reactions to news is exactly what the global corporatist oligarchy wants from its subjects. It wants us to give up our rights, turn off our critical thinking, and submit to our ruling class. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know what our answer to that is going to be every time you tune in here. Hell no. Does that mean we are cold and calloused? No. It just means we have learned to process things differently. It's funny that the other side that always boasts about the discoveries of Darwin, but in a piece from this article, you can see that throughout Darwin's own life, he was always critical of what was presented to him. In a letter written to Charles Darwin several months after their marriage, Darwin's wife Emma suggests an appreciation for earnest doubt as a means of seeking truth. The state of mind, she writes, that I wish to preserve with respect to you is to feel that while you are acting conscientiously and sincerely wishing and trying to learn the truth, you cannot be wrong. In the letter, Emma expresses concern that the exclusive pursuit of science, which involves believing nothing till it is proved, might influence her husband's mind regarding things which cannot be proved in the same way, and which are likely to be above our comprehension. She urges him to consider and study the chain of difficulties on both sides and settles finally on this point. But I believe you do not consider your opinion as formed. And as Darlin would later reveal to other correspondents, his opinions on certain religious matters remain unformed. Darwin practiced conscientious doubt, something to be viewed not as a state of disbelief, but as a state of inquiry and openness with regard to nature 
and to revelation. Like the openness that he and Emma so valued between each other. And this might have been a bond rather than merely a void between them. This is not to suggest that tensions between the couple were resolved, but the evidence of their shared reading and correspondence does indicate that religious differences were not merely suppressed in their marriage, rather that the foundations of belief and of doubt were a subject of ongoing discussion and mutual concern for many years. Well, what can we gather from that? That doubt can be a part of a healthy mind and relationship with others, as long as it is recognized and it can be a healthy practice of faith. I can't tell any one of you the proper way to grieve, but I can tell you that you are not alone. The loss of innocent life tears at me probably the same way that it tears at you. I feel the anger and the sadness that the families of the victims must feel, and I'm sure you do too. But for those of us who have picked up the skill of critical thinking somewhere in life, our process doesn't end there. And I'm glad it doesn't. Because we are the people who want the truth. No matter who it hurts or what evil it reveals, no matter how terrible the actions of our own teachers, police, and government may be. We want the truth. Regardless of how insane the reasons for these killings really are, or how truly evil the intentions of all of it may have been, we demand the truth. Because we're the ones put on earth to do something about it. There is no one else. They are all asleep, and we're on guard, whether we want to be or not. Whether we can sleep at night or not, whether the screams of children being shot, or the picture of them bleeding out while police stand casually down the hallway following orders, ever leaves our minds, we demand the truth. And until we get it, we will not stop. We will use the gifts we have been given. We will not attempt to unclasp the hands of those who need it to find their way home. Just as we wouldn't censor the information needed to get there. No matter whom or what it upsets, let your pursuit be truth. Let your actions bring the changes necessary for people to accept it and may something greater than all of us clear a place, maybe on a beautiful hillside someday, where our memorials will stand to remind everyone else of it. You are listening to The New Prisoners. A copy of each week's monologue and source list are available on our Minds page and Substack. Check out our video content on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brighteon. For audio versions, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and many others. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you find us, 
and join the conversation by leaving your comments wherever you can. You can follow The New Prisoners and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Instagram and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Gab or at New Prisoner 6 on Twitter. If you would like to be a guest, please email the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com and provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. You can now donate to the new prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support with a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99 or 9.99. We also have a subscribe store where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com/the-new-prisoners. You can also donate both US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Now let's get on with the show. Okay, I'm number six, and I'm here with John Henry, and this is the New Prisoners Podcast. Now on this week's show, we'll be talking about monkeypox, the conspiracy, uh, the Uvalde, Texas school shooting, and also Liberty's response to the shooting. And lastly, let me talk about what it's going to be like uh, being the elite this week. Uh, what it's like to be them. Just to get away with fucking murder. But before we get to that, John Henry, would you like to say hello to the people? What's up, everybody? Uh, great news. I won't be hacking in your ear this week. Speaking of this week, wow, we get some pretty extraordinary stuff going on. Uh, the Durham trial is wrapped up, uh, the Sussman case. So we should see the result of that on Tuesday. Looking pretty good for the Patriots currently. Uh, so far, well, a lot of success on the midterm elections, as we expected. The red wave is now cresting. So we got some good stuff. Uh, we still don't give a fuck about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Could not care less. And uh, man, some really interesting videos coming out of this uh, big old conference in the uh, you know majority white and closed border having country over there in Europe. Um, they want to control every aspect of your life, and they also don't want your own government to have anything to do with that. So old Klaus Schwab, it's like uh, you know his big moment right now. Just talking crazy shit. I mean, it is absolutely bananas. Uh, you know, people talking about, you know, we're almost at the end of being able to take advantage of this pandemic to control everybody's lives. So everything that we talk about every single episode, well, there's your facts, folks. There is confirmation of everything that we've said um, every single week since the inception of these conversations. So, you know, we do have a lot to cover. Um, you know, first and foremost, before we get into it, we will talk about uh, the Uvalde school shooting. I do just want to send prayers out to all of the victims and all of the families, um, you know, in that horrific act. And just also want to say, uh, you know, thank you to all those veterans that went out there and sacrificed their lives. Uh, you know, it is Sunday, so tomorrow is Memorial Day. 
So, uh, you know, thank you to all veterans for everything that you've done to protect us, um, to, to insulate us within our liberties, to make sure that we still have our freedoms that the, the greatest country in the world was founded on. So uh, happy Memorial Day to everybody out there. Oh, to you, man, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because uh, we, we, we often lose sight of the, the greatness this country has shown the world. Um, the things that our our ancestors, our forefathers, you know, people in our lineage, pe- people in our families, John Henry, um, what they have sacrificed to get us here. Um, we have all of our all of our problems this week, and we're going to talk about those, and we're going to talk about Klaus Schwab and his wrinkled dick fucking face. But we should take a moment to. Uh, to thank those that came before us. And we're going to do a lot of that. I, I, th- I think that, uh, John Henry, I know it's always been important to you to, to pay homage to people that deserve it. And we're going to do a lot of that this week, too. Not just calling out these fuckers. But speaking of fuckers, let's talk about this. Uh, this is from the Republic Brief. This is Smoking Gun. Monkey Pox was planned for May 2022. Wow. This is from Lisa Carlisle. Now, As I scroll down here, it says the COVID-19 virus has been a vehicle for governments to impose restrictions on civil liberties of its citizens. Yeah, no shit. Including intimidation to force vaccines, which is kind of what started this podcast. Now, even though the virus has weakened, as all viruses do, around the world, efforts to vaccinate masses have intensified. Now, it says a rare virus called monkeypox has been seen in isolated instances in the U.S. in the past. But now CNN reports that the CDC, the most trustable motherfuckers on earth, right, is monitoring six people in the U.S. for possible monkeypox infections after they sat next to an infected traveler who had symptoms while flying from Nigeria to the U.K. in early May. Now, it says here the CDC is also investigating a case of monkeypox confirmed in a man in Massachusetts who had recently traveled to Canada. CNN reports, as well as a patient in New York City who has tested positive for orthopox virus, and yeah, we're going to be talking about those today, which is the family of viruses to which monkeypox belongs. Now, one feels a sense of deja vu, deja vu, it says in the article, as this unusual spread of monkeypox is reminiscent of the beginnings of the spread of COVID-19. So this is, of course, what has sparked everyone's curiosity this past week. After living through such a traumatic fucking experience for the past three years of our lives, just seeing anything else that sniffs of that uh, sounds, you know, alarms in in our community. And we we know why. But it says on Friday, (laughs) again, the most trustable motherfuckers on earth, the World Health Organization who wants to usurp all authority in your locality if you have an outbreak of whatever the fuck they release there. Uh, confirmed around 80 cases of monkeypox with recent outbreaks reported in 11 countries. According to its statement, the outbreaks are unusual. Well, we're going to talk about why. Uh, because they are occurring in nations where the virus is not endemic. The WHO added. As we scroll down here, who is working with the affected countries and others to expand disease surveillance, yes, surveillance on you, to find and support people who may be affected and to provide guidance on how to manage the disease. I like how they just leave it really open-ended like that. How do do they manage the disease? Yeah, they put us all on train cars. Who the fuck knows? Now, it seems that there is subterfuge. This is where it gets a little hairy. 
Becker News reports that an influential global security organization known as the Nuclear Threat Initiative published a war game document in March of 2021, not that all long ago, right? That specifically predicted a monkeypox outbreak in May of 2022. The war game document provides a valuable glimpse into how national governments and intergovernmental organizations intend to prepare for the next pandemic. Now, the Blaze senior editor, Daniel Horowitz, whom I'm a big fan of here on the show, I like his uh, stuff that he's done about COVID, been right on, uh, reports that a year ago at a Munich conference, the NTI predicted a monkeypox terror attack in May of 2022 in a germ game. Remember those? Remember when Bill Gates brought those up, folks? We're going to talk about that fucking a second, too. Uh, except it appears they were the terrorists. Now, in March of 2021, NTI partnered with the Munich Security Conference to conduct a tabletop exercise on reducing high-consequence biological threats. The conference paper read, The exercise examined gaps in national and international biosecurity and pandemic preparedness architectures exploring opportunities to improve prevention and response capabilities for high-consequence biological events. Wow, I like that set. High-consequence biological events. That's fun. This report summarizes the exercise scenario, key findings from the discussion, and actionable recommendations for the international community. Now, it says, Developed in consultation with technical and policy experts, the exercise scenario portrayed a deadly global pandemic involving an unusual strain of monkeypox virus that emerges in the fictional country of Brynia and eventually spreads globally. I wonder if that's what Bill Gates uh, calls his sex dungeon, Brynia. Uh, later in the exercise, the scenario reveals that the initial outbreak was caused by a terrorist attack using a pathogen engineered in a laboratory Wow, <laughs> with ina inadequate biosafety and biosecurity provisions and weak oversight. Stop me if you fucking heard this one. <laughs> the exercise scenario concludes with more than 3 billion cases and 270 million fatalities globally. Again, Bill Gates jerking off to that. The Blaze reported, as part of the scenario development process, NTI conducted a virtual consultation with experts. Uh, what kind of experts? In December 2020, NTI adds, the wargaming documents put the initial date of the monkeypox pandemic of 2022 as of May 15th, 5.15. I wonder if they like Quadrophenia as much as I do. In its foreword, while students studiously avoiding any mention of the Wuhan laboratory. <laughs> Why would they? NTI discusses how future biological threats may be caused by deliberate misuse of biological pathogens or laboratory accident. Now, our friend Silas from Silas Speaks, uh, Silas Guthier, man, he had a really impressive angle on that, which we'll talk about in, in, in the future here. Uh, coming soon. But now the timing of the monkeypox outbreak coincides with an aggressive push for the World Health Organization to accrue vast new powers, including to unilaterally declare pandemics that would compel signatories to enact measures, including vaccine mandates, Becker News reports. This is what we were talking about, folks. 
Now, in addition to the WHO pushing for more power to impose restrictions on the citizens of all countries, President Joe Biden doesn't is the gift that keeps on giving that stolen election. And world leaders recently made it clear at the recent second global COVID summit. I'm glad we're having those now. That response measures to COVID-19 were just the beginning. Yes, this is what we all of us have been warning you all about. That all of this shit is just the beginning of government efforts to counteract pandemics that they cause. Uh, Becker News did not quote that, but um, that, that's my quote. Uh, the Biden administration is spearheading an initiative to amend international health regulations with a proposal this is what we told you about i believe last week uh folks uh provisional agenda item 16.2 to the world health assembly that was made public in april amendments would include lockdowns border closures more fucking mask mandates and vaccine mandates now the biden administration is also recommending the following intensifying of health surveillance all countries and citizens, of course he is, creating a global communication network, or GCO, <laughs> that reports to the WHO, grants the WHO the authority to sanction non-compliant countries, you mean like ours, um, bestows authority to Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, to declare pandemics or emergencies. So basically he bangs his staff on the ground and says, take their shit, I'm a communist. And then also recognizes the WHO's authority to determine these steps a country should take in pandemic response, including vaccine mandates, go fuck yourself, and authorities funding for the WHO in the event of a pandemic. And we're increasing our support, it says in quotes, for new pandemic preparedness and global health security fund that will establish at the World Bank this summer with $450 million in seed funding. That didn't make any sense, but it's from Biden. It says at the end, frightening that a rare virus could be the vehicle for such power over all citizens of the world. This sequel fucking sucks so far, doesn't it, John Henry? Progressive action. So, you know, this isn't, it's never about I told you so, you know, but one of the things that, that was always consistent throughout these, these dialogues and these conversations is all this is, is preparing you. This is grooming you to give in. I mean, that's really into, to comply, you know, from the very start, when the mask mandate started, the closed downs, I mean, for me, it, you know, I said the word compliance more than anything else, because it was always, this isn't about illness, this is about compliance. And they were going to push it to see how far it would go. And I've said this on past podcasts. I'm frankly fucking shocked that here in the United States that it ever, it ever got as significant as it did. You know, I was the first one to say you can never make people get vaccinated in America. You can never make people wear masks in America. You can never make people stay home in America. There's no way that would ever happen. And I made that exact statement at the beginning of this shit. <clears throat> so it's really surprising to me um, that one is many people complied 
that you know is dead and two all that was was preparation for more severe lockdowns more severe consequences so you know it's it's like it, you know it kind of like goes to the the child grooming thing which obviously we talk a lot about on the show you know and, and it all starts subtly right if you read about what these fucking monsters do to kids when you read about coaches that progressively groom children or molest children it doesn't start with somebody swinging their dick around. It starts with them sticking their hand on somebody's shoulder and then progressively next time giving it a little squeeze, then maybe a back scratch. Then the shoulder might go to the leg and next thing you know, you're getting fucked. And that's exactly what has happened. So we're through all the initial stages of this. Now these guys are ready to pull this motherfucker out, not even have the courtesy of spitting on it, bend everybody over and fuck you. That's what these people want to do to us. So at this point, my hope is that it, now that there's enough data out there that I don't want to say most Americans, but I want to say enough Americans understand that the vaccines didn't work. The masks didn't work. All the things that they not only told us to do, but then mandated that we do, you know, at risk of losing your job or, you know, here where I live, you know, if you're on the beach, it's a $5,000 fine. So that's all it was. It was preparation for what comes next, guys, you know, which is a global fucking takeover. And this is exactly what number six is describing. Well, and what is what is the consequence, John Henry, for being forced to do the wrong thing? Like we haven't even scratched the surface on the consequences from our first round of fuckery here. Um, like you mentioned with just the vaccines themselves. Like every every day, every single day, you could you could probably go on the Kurgan Reports channel, and he's going to read you off another person that died or had a, a a terrible injury or something that's on the Veris Reports. Um, every single day, you can read news studies about negative efficacy of these shots and all the people that it's damaged. The numbers keep climbing. Our, our oceans are filled with masks for no goddamn reason, and they shouldn't be. Now. The, just the consequence of that, but then also the consequence on the psyche. Well, you know what? To that point, you know the other thing that just fucking lights yeah. me on fire? Where did the money go to buy oh, the masks? Yeah. Where did the vast majority of those come from? Corporatist contracts from China. What country? <laughs> from fucking China. From fucking China. The amount of medical equipment, PPE, all the personal protection equipment, clothing oh, for you the said hospitals. It. It's protection money. Came from China. The same place that the fucking virus came from. That's where. It, it just, you know, it's it's almost like the most grand like money laundering scheme in the history of the world. Oh, you think world. El Chapo is some shit? Right? He ain't got shit on Xi Jinping. Nothing, nothing, nothing. on government. <laughs> nothing on nothing. these governments. You know, in the new world order. I mean, that's exactly what it is. So, all right, when it comes to monkeypox, who else do we want to pay out? Because we see what's going on in Ukraine. We know the business dealings in Ukraine with the Biden crime family. And how much money are we sending them? Over and over and over. $40 billion. You know, one of the things that Trump just said at the NRA rally here um, on Friday was he said, if we can afford to send $40 billion to protect other people's kids, 
then we can protect our own fucking kids with yeah, that huh? money. And I'm in total agreement with that. <laughs> but it isn't about that. It's not about that. It's about where's the debt? Where's the debt owed? Where does it need to be paid? We know this fucker's a Chinese puppet and a Ukrainian puppet. God, it's got to be hard to have two Ooh. puppet masters. Maybe that's why you can't get a fucking coherent sentence out of his mouth because you got one hand that's a Chinese hand and the other one's a Ukrainian hand and they're trying to do the old fucking puppet show but they just aren't in sync with one another. It's like the horse suit. Fucking absolutely where it's just insane. like the front of the horse exactly. is a different person, the back of the horse is a different person. Yeah. <laughs> and then the one in the back can't see. Get so their shit just together, yeah. <laughs> that's who he is. He's a fucking donkey skin suit. Exactly oh, who he is. So it gets worse, folks. Let, let's let's jump into this now. I will say right off the bat, Whitney fucking Webb has written some amazing pieces, like since the beginning of COVID till now. And 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 I need to really go back and and kind of rehash some of the stuff that I've read through her too, uh, from her too. But um, this this one is also posted on the Defender from her uh, Unlimited Hangout. Um, website, but it's uh, how two corrupt pharma companies are cashing in on monkeypox scare. Hmm. It says that Emergent Biosolutions and Sika Technologies were in rocky financial territory. Just like, just like another name that I think we've heard of begins with an M. I think, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll get to those uh, just a few weeks ago. But with concerns over a global monkeypox outbreak being hyped by media and global health organizations, their worries and sins are quickly being forgotten. What a hell of an introduction to this article, because man, it gets deep. Um, Let's go. In recent days, concern over a global outbreak of monkeypox, a mild disease related to monkeypox, or I'm sorry, smallpox and chickenpox, has been hyped in the media and health ministries around the world, even prompting an emergency meeting at the World Health Organization. Now, for some, fears have centered around monkeypox being the potential next pandemic after COVID-19. Who? Yeah. Who's some? The people in the media. <laughs> who's some? Who's, uh, who's some that legitimately are concerned about that? That genuinely think that's going to happen? I got to tell you this. There's a fuckload more people that are concerned that that's going to be the fraudulent mm-hmm. next pandemic. I'll tell You're you that right now. There. There's a hell of a lot more people worrying about their liberties being fucking taken away from them. And if they survive the pandemic as business owners, that they will not survive a second one. So that's what people are concerned about. I'm not concerned about fucking monkeypox. Period. Not my concern. Just like I, and, and please take this with a grain of salt, wasn't super concerned with COVID when we realized early on that it's a 99.9% survival rate. I mean, I had the motherfucker twice. Felt like shit. There's no doubt about that. But I sure as hell wasn't going on a fucking no. ventilator. No. And uh, again, this is why I wanted to include this, John Henry, too, because this all connects to that same bullshit and the same people that I've learned of and become more familiar with, like Whitney Webb, um, throughout this pandemic and others like Rob, Ryan Christian from Last American Vagabond really uh, show me new ways of thinking about these things. And it says here, uh, for others, the fear is that the monkeypox will be used as the latest excuse, just like you mentioned, to further advance draconian biosecurity policies and global power grabs. Um, now, it says, regardless of how the monkeypox situation plays out, two companies are already cashing in. As concern over monkeypox has risen, so to have the shares of Emergent Biosolutions and Sega Technologies. Both companies essentially have monopolies. Go figure. In the U.S. market. 
and other markets as well, and on smallpox vaccines and treatments. So their main smallpox smallpox focused products are conveniently also used to protect against or treat monkeypox. Wow, sounds like a racket, doesn't it? Now it gets worse. As a result, the shares of Emergent Biosolutions climbed 12% on Thursday, while those of Sega soared 17.1%. For these companies, the monkeypox fears are a godsend. Specifically for Sega, which produces a smallpox treatment known by its brand name T-Pox, with two X's. Ooh, sexy. It is Sega's only product. <laughs> Just like Moderna did that thing. Okay. Well. <laughs> How much is Pelosi on in stock in that company? That's oh, what well, I we're not allowed to know anymore because they banned that one channel off of Twitter that tracked all of it. <laughs> oh, not allowed to that's know that information. Right. But I mean, and I'm glad you brought that up too, because like this, this is one of the things about this gimmick is that the first time that you see a gimmick, you might not know it's one, but then when you see other people doing the exact same gimmick and copying it, then it makes it a little bit easier to see. Can you see it now? <laughs> now, well, some outlets have noted that the rise in the valuation of Sega Technologies has coincided with recent concerns about monkeypox. Essentially, no attention has been given to the fact that the company is apparently the only piece of a powerful billionaire's empire that isn't currently crumbling. And man, we're going to love, we're going to love John Henry telling the people this week about who this motherfucker was friends with. Well, can oh, I read this part? Do. Please do. That billionaire, corporate raider Ron Perelman has deep and controversial ties to the Clinton family in the Democratic Party, as well as troubling ties to, you guessed it, everybody, Jeffrey fucking Epstein. <laughs> Aside from his controlling stake in Sega, Perelman has uh, recently made headlines for rapidly liquidating many of his assets in a desperate bid for cash. And there you have it, everybody. Six degrees to pedophilia strikes again. Oh, and let's sprinkle the Clintons in there, too. Are you as shocked as I am right now? It's a fucking criminal enterprise. And not only, like, and we had, uh, uh, I, had, I, had a, I had a pretty good conversation with a friend of ours at the show here, uh, Grassroots Guillotine on Instagram there. And uh, he mentioned to me, he's just like, uh, well, how how often in the past two or three years has everything been a distraction for something else? And then he posted something today. Uh, I'll have to look up uh, who the dude was to give him a shout out here in a second. But just just to wrap up the little story here, um, it, it, it kind of brought up that every single time the Clintons were in trouble, a school shooting or something like that happened, like some sort of mass casualty event. Little coincidences. Of course it did. Uh, you can look at the schedule. You can yeah. set your watch by it. So again, everybody, I'm going to go ahead and repeat the point of this article. Monkeypox is here. Um, a, a germ warfare game said it was going to be here on May 15th. Uh, an organization of a man who has deep ties to the Democratic Party, the Clinton Foundation, and Jeffrey Epstein, well, he owns the company. And the only product they make just so happens to be applicable in usage in smallpox in monkeypox. It is a fucking giant farce. All of it. It's all a big fucking game to these people. 
It's it's all they're it's the shell game. All they're doing is just shuffling and shuffling and shuffling and shuffling. And you just can't fucking win this game against. I these would people. encourage. It I makes would encourage me all of our listeners before you listen to the rest of this segment uh, to pause it and gather as much fucking red yarn from whatever local craft store that you have, <laughs> because we haven't even we haven't even gotten started yet. We haven't even gotten started yet. Of the amount of bullshit that's all connected to to this monkeypox distraction or whatever you want to call it, right? So now it says similarly in the article, uh, Emergent Biosolutions has also been in hot water. Yeah, the company which has troubling ties to the 2001 anthrax attacks came under fire just under two weeks ago for engaging in a cover up over quality control issues relating to their production. Of COVID-19 vaccines. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, we had a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a miss on that first one around. Oh boy. Okay. So um good news is we're gonna um, we're gonna release the monkey pox and we're gonna go ahead and we're, we're gonna get that money to you, okay? Okay? Yeah, yeah. Hey, don't hey, listen, don't fuck this one up, okay? Because next thing Next thing we have to fucking, we have to bust out the manatee mumps <laughs> and that's just going to be real hard, but we're going to blame Floridians for swimming with manatees. And you know, that fucking son of a bitch, Ron, Ron Santos down there, we hate him and we're okay with that. So again, if you fuck up monkeypox, we got to pull out manatee well, mumps. They did okay? already release the so let's, let's uh, genetically modified mosquitoes in the state of Florida. Didn't the Bill Gates uh, Foundation uh, funded bullshit do that? Oh brother, they released them in a yeah. lot of places. They're probably Absolutely. carrying the manatee mumps and the fucking mosquitoes for all we know at this point. Yeah. I mean, I remember reading an article about them spraying the riverbanks in oh, Pennsylvania. No. And then there was concerns about these genetically modified mosquitoes. Hey, guys, here's why. Um, we shouldn't be playing yeah, God. that's a bad idea. There you have it. And we're going to talk about the good Lord just a little bit throughout these topics today because it's very important to recognize a couple of these things. So don't play God. Because when you play God, well, God will strike you down yeah. for that. And uh, that's going to be very important when we get to one oh, segment it's, today. It's going to come in handy today. Uh, it, I, I feel it. Uh, now, it says a congressional investigation, because those are worth fuck all, found the quality concern, uh, quality control concerns at an emergent run facility uh, led to more than 400 million doses of COVID 19 vaccines being discarded. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame they had to throw all that poison away that we paid for. Well, I'm certain that that doesn't count the other probably 600 million that were actually injected yeah. into people. Uh, what, a, what a waste of that. Well, let's see. The emergent factory in question had been shut down by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration or FDA. Remember that what they caused that bullshit recently that we've been talking about? Okay. They're all connected in this too. Uh, they were allowed to reopen last August before the government terminated the contract. I believe they, they uh, shut them down right after the uh, the baby food facility, right? Oh, no, that was 21 there. Okay. Yes. Believe in the, believe FDA, the FDA, everybody. For sure. Now, it says, given that the majority of the company's business is tied to the U.S. government contracts, well, of course they are. The loss of this contract and the accompanying poor publicity, the news that its smallpox vaccine may soon be of international interest is likely seen as a godsend by the company. Mm. Like, lovely how that keeps coming up. How dare yeah. they say that? How dare they refer to that as a godsend? Well, you know, 
Now it says, notably, this is the second time in a year that both companies have been benefited from pandemic or bioterror fears propagated by the media. So you, you mean that companies that just rely on single government contracts to stay afloat, that everything is solely relied on this really narrow niche product that only applies in one sort of fucking scenario in which the government could possibly create. Wow. Okay. Not only this is the second time in a year that both companies have benefited from pandemic or bioterror fears propagated by the media. Last November, speculation rose that a reemergence of the eradicated virus that causes smallpox would soon take place. And of course, here he is, fat tits himself. This first began with Bill Gates's comments on the prospects of smallpox bioterrorism. Oh, thanks for the heads thanks, up, Bill. Billy. Thanks, buddy. I'm starting to think old Billy Billy Tit Tits is, uh, is cl- almost clairvoyant, if you will. Gosh, it's crazy how this guy knows all this things, uh, these things are going to happen. Wow. After his shit, that, apparently that was also followed by an announcement on November 16th. Uh, from the CDC and an FBI investigation into 15 suspicious files. I remember this. Labeled smallpox. Other very credible Philadelphia. Very credible. Now, roughly six months later, I think that the way that they wrapped up that story, though, uh, going back to that one in Philadelphia, um, stop me if I'm wrong, but I think that what they found out was the files Wait, were marked, second. but hold they were mismarked, let's, they said. Okay, let's, let's talk about yeah. that for just a second. Because I'll put, I'll put my, I don't even wear a tinfoil hat anymore. I wear a tinfoil fucking yes. bodysuit. Um, so the truck full of monkeys that flipped over in eastern Pennsylvania. <laughs> eastern Pennsylvania. Yeah. Where's Philadelphia? Uh, I'm not really good at geography, anybody? Oh, yes. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I would say that's pretty eastern Pennsylvania. Yeah. Pretty close. Oh, okay. Close. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, guys, listen, I'm, I'm sure it's purely coincidental when I'm this region here. So sometimes I'm a bit of a silly goose. Please don't mind me and my and speculation. And we're going to talk about what kind of monkeys those monkeys were. Just to give you a little hint on what's coming up. Now, it says that um, after that Merck uh, facility in Philadelphia, it says now roughly six months later, the same fears are again paying off for the two same companies. Now it says a killer enterprise emergence biosolutions was previously known as bioport. The company was founded by Fuad El Hebri, a Lebanese businessman who leveraged his contracts with powerful U S former military officials and politicians to take control. Does this sound familiar to you to take control of a flailing Michigan factory? It was the only factory authorized to produce an anthrax vaccine. The anthrax vaccine was known to have major problems even before Bioport had acquired it and is believed by many investigators to be one of the main causes of fucking Gulf War syndrome, it says. Happy Memorial Day, right? This is how we're celebrating this year. By exposing all you motherfuckers that did this to our soldiers. How dare you? To the lowest rung of hell with you. Now it says the vaccine itself originally developed at Fort Detrick. Of course, where the fuck else would, where else would it come from? 
had little to no safety track record at the time. <laughs> Sounds also slightly familiar. It was administered to U.S. troops in their first Gulf War, a problem that was never remedied. Of course it wasn't. And however, yeah, all these congressional hearings, but none for that. However, its chronic safety issues and its clumsy multi-dose regimen would later prompt Bioport Emergent Biosolutions to spend years developing a new formulation of its anthrax vaccine. The creation of Bioport coincided with the Clinton administration's efforts to mandate the anthrax vaccine for all members of the U.S. Armed Forces. Okay, so hold on a second. So what you're saying is both of these organizations are connected and to the And this Clintons? Lebanese guy, this Lebanese investor guy, who leveraged mm, whatever yeah, with our military to get the only contract that does the only thing that these people are going to mandate. <laughs> so let me ask you this, sir. Let, let's just go off in a little bit different direction here on this topic. Why do we need an anthrax vaccine? Uh, Why? Security, patriotism, the dollar. <laughs> so they come out with a flu shot, right? Okay. Flu is deadly in people. The flu kills people. I understand that. I don't use it, but I understand it. I get the justification there. But why? Why this money into an anthrax vaccine? Has there ever been an anthrax outbreak? No, there has to be a delivery method, right? It's a bioweapon. I, my vote would be military-industrial complex. That would be my right-in answer if this were Yeah, complex. imagine that. <laughs> imagine that. Mm-hmm. If, if, if there was a room to explain, <laughs> I would explain that somewhere along the lines that whoever this Lebanese fuck is dealing with our dirty motherfucking military contractors, um, God only knows what kind of like evil war crimes <laughs> and other things were done over in Lebanon and other places in the Middle East by these people. Mm. And I'm sure they're all friends. And they're like, hey, how can we fuck the American people over more? Oh, let's rob them of their tax dollars and use it to experiment mm-hmm. on their sons and daughters going into military service. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it, it sounds like a pretty clear line to me. <laughs> now, mm. Perfect. Yeah. All right, let's pick it up. I'll take it from there. So once the company acquired a Michigan facility, it took large amounts of U.S. government funds ostensibly uh, to make improvements to the site. However, the company declined to use those funds to make the necessary repairs, instead spending that money on its executive offices uh, as opposed to the vaccine factory, which means bigger desks, nicer chairs, better scotch whiskey, and millions more for bonuses for senior management. Yes, when a company is failing and poisoned U.S. military personnel, um, we should go ahead and pay out some fat bonuses 
Pentagon auditors would later find that still millions more had gone missing and Bioport staff were unaware of the cost of producing a single dose of the vaccine. Of course, there's no way that an organization would know what is the actual cost of their product. Why? Because they're giving fucking money away to all of the uh, senior managers. Despite the clear mismanagement and corruption, Bioport demanded to be bailed out by the Pentagon, of course. And guess what, everybody? They were bailed out by the Pentagon after, uh, let's see here, they took all those funds, they skimmed off the top, paid out fat bonuses, makes sense. Meanwhile, the Michigan facility lost its license after a government inspection found numerous safety issues. So what's happening here is they didn't do anything in that interim period of time, but steal money from us. However, by August 2001, Bioport stood to lose the Pentagon contracts. It's only source of income. Uh, it's only source of income. Government funded everybody. The Pentagon uh, began preparing a report due to be released September of 2001 that would detail a plan for letting Bioport go. Thanks to September 11th, uh, the attack on the Pentagon, the report was never released. Gosh, maybe it was in that part where it got hit by the, the plane. That report was never released shortly thereafter. The 2001 anthrax attacks began. So, wow, so crazy. All this taking place about the show that they shut the company down. But my goodness, if out of nowhere, all of a sudden we had white powder being delivered to people, um, you know, that were in government positions, wouldn't that mean that, oh my goodness, we shouldn't shut this company down? Oh my, okay, okay. Uh, again, just speculation, guys. Just months before, Bioport contracted Battelle Memorial Institute to help rescue its failing uh, vaccine program. The deal gave Battelle immediate exposure to the vaccine, and it was used in connection with the Pentagon-funded gain of function. I haven't heard that very often, have we? Anfax program uh, that involved both Ken Alabeck and William C. Patrick III, two bioweapons experts with deep ties to the CIA. Folks. If your head is not on the brink of exploding, I don't know anything that can take it there. This article is just astounding at how much corruption exists with all of these government entities. The program was housed at Patel's West Jefferson facility in Ohio. The facility is believed by many investigators to be the source of the anthrax used in the 2001 attacks. The government-funded organization that's making an anthrax vaccine was the place that the anthrax came from that was utilized in the attacks. Man, what a just astounding amount of coincidences in this sequence. The ensuing panic from the anthrax attacks led the Department of Health and Human Services to intervene. Oh, thank goodness for them. They gave Bioport its license back in January of 2002. Here it is back, guys. We need you. Despite persisting safety concerns at its vaccine production facility in Michigan, Bioport was not content to merely see its past contracts with the Pentagon restored. However, as it began lobbying heavily for new contracts for anthrax vaccines intended for American civilians, postal workers, and others. Fuck you, Bioport. They would get them. Of course they got those contracts because we had just had a terrifying string of anthrax attacks. Thanks to the HSS, HHS, then counterterrorism advisor and soon-to-be HHS newest assistant secretary, Jerome Howard. Howard would later join the board on Bioport. Oh, my goodness. 
Isn't that something? After it was reformed as Emergent Biosolutions in 2004, such examples of cronyism are more common than not when it comes to Emergent Biosolutions. Indeed, the companies frequently relied on individuals who spent their career passing through the revolving door between the pharmaceutical industry and government. Man, that seems to be really popular these days, particularly those who also moonlight as bioterrorist alarmists that go on CNN and CNBC and try to fucking terrify you and your family. One of the main individuals critical to the company's success over the years has been Robert Cadillac. Cadillac served as a top bioterror advisor to the Pentagon in the weeks leading up to the 2001 anthrax attacks. Months prior, he participated in the June 2001 simulation, Dark Winter. Hey, of course there would be a dark winter. Have, have we ever heard somebody saying it's going to be a dark winter? Huh. It, it's like, it's not even funny anymore. That these motherfuckers literally just say, hey, we're doing this stuff. Here it comes. They're not even creative anymore in their delivery of this. So back to that. Months prior here participated in June 2001 simulation Dark Winter, which predicted major aspects of the subsequent anthrax attacks. Cadillac subsequently crafted much of the legislation that would create the country's subsequent bioterror pandemic response policy. Thanks for him, including BARDA and a strategic national stockpile. Soon after leaving the government, Robert Cadillac, whole Bobby, helped found a new company in 2012 called East West Protection, which develops and delivers integrated all-hazard preparedness and response systems for communities and sovereign nations. The company also advises communities and countries on issues related to the threat of weapons of mass destruction and natural pandemics. Who he has his dirty little fucking dick beaters and everything, doesn't he? Doesn't He's he? there. Cadillac, he formed that company with... W. Craig Vandervogen. First of all, if your first name is a letter, go fuck yourself. The first HHS Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response, a position that Cadillac had helped write in the law and would later hold himself. The other co-founder of East-West Protection was Faud El Hebrew. <laughs> yes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is that the... That's a really common name. Is that the same Lebanese yep, businessman? Ooh, okay. Probably best yeah. if we had him involved. The founder of Bioport and Emergent Biosolutions, who had just stepped down as Emergent CEO earlier this year. Cadillac then became a consultant. Cadillac's consultancy firm, RPK Consulting, netted him $451,000 in 2014 alone, where he directly advised Emergent Biosolutions as well as other pharmaceutical companies like Bavarian Nordic. Cadillac was also a consultant of military and intelligent contractors, such as the DARPA-backed firm Invincia and NSA contract CITOR, which was recently acquired by the SAIC. Cadillac will return to government as HHS ASPR under Trump, a position which he held at the time of the COVID-19 crisis began. The year prior, in 2019, Cadillac conducted a months-long simulation. Uh, the year prior, <laughs> in 2019... Cadillac conducted a months-long simulation focused on global pandemic originating in China called the Crimson Contagion. Was that too comic booky? Is that why yeah, they went with COVID? I guess the alliteration you too. You know, CCC. Okay, okay. Crimson the, the Crimson. That's that's an evil yeah. villain yeah. from comic Can't books. Have too much there. <laughs> Somebody call Batman. The Crimson Contagion is taking yeah, over the city. Priming. Once the COVID-19, <laughs> yeah, priming and grooming, here we go. 
Once the COVID-19 crisis um, began in earnest, he played a major role, oh, thank goodness for him, in securing COVID-19 vaccine contracts for emergent biosolutions despite his conflicts of interest. Is that even a thing anymore? Does that exist in government and these conflicts of interest? I didn't think so. I figured that was just out the fucking door. Some of which he had declined to disclose upon being appointed to serve as the ASPR. Emergent Biosolutions' pattern of corrupt behavior, beginning with its anthrax vaccine, can be seen in its recent action as it relates to its production of COVID-19 vaccines. Per the recent congressional report, released days just before the recent spike in concern over monkeypox, emergent lab workers intentionally sought to mislead government inspectors about issues at its Baltimore-based plant and also repeatedly rebuffed efforts by AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson to, okay, hold on a second, hold on, to, to inspect their facilities. I mean, they really should have had Johnson & Johnson help them, for sure, because subsequently <laughs> their fucking facility got shut down for the same shit they'd have been looking for, and now they have stopped giving people the vaccine because they know it fucking kills people and causes blood clots. That's My who you goodness. want. That's who you want to tag in to come in and make sure you're doing shit right. <laughs> Onward? Despite major red flags at its vaccine manufacturing facility, emergency executives swept these problems under the rug and continue to rake in taxpayer dollars. I mean, how many times do they fuck up and keep getting paid? You can't fuck up that bad. Like, you you can be Hunter Biden. You you could literally smoke crack and bang hookers and and put it on a laptop, lose the laptop. Underage hookers. Don't forget. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't his laptop. Uh, House Oversight and Reform Committee Chairwoman Carolyn Maloney, Democrat from New York... Shocker there, stated upon the report's release. Yet such major red flags can be found throughout the company's entire history for those willing to take the time to look. Just days after the congressional report was released, Emergent Biosolutions announced that it would acquire the executive worldwide rights to the first FDA-approved small-box oral antiviral for all ages. You know ages. what the all ages means. That's right. That- they're coming for your fucking all ages kids. means that they can force what it, it on means. all of us because that's what RFK oh, brought up in his and book with the, um, is that once they can get a drug, mm-hmm. once the FDA says this is good for all ages, that means it's in you if you want it to be or not. That's correct. And when we have this fucking, <laughs> these, these power drunk monsters, you know, at the world economic forum, and the WHO talking about how, you know, they can determine there's a pandemic and now set regulations for the entire fucking planet. That's exactly what we're talking about. So as long as it's safe for all ages, it doesn't matter if you don't want to give it to your one-year-old or your six-month-year-old or your two-fucking-week-year-old, yeah. they're going to do it. The drug called Tambexa is only for the treatment of smallpox for now, uh, which the company refers to as a high-priority public health threat. The press release on the company's acquisition of Tembexa states that a multi-million dollar U.S. government contract for the product are anticipated. The FDA formally approved the drug last June. Yep, I'm sure they did ample fucking testing for that, too. Emergent Biosolutions also has a right to the smallpox vaccine called ACAM2000, which can also be used to treat monkeypox. Thank goodness. The vaccine originally produced by Sanofi was acquired by the company in 2017. As a result, the company has an essential monopoly over smallpox vaccines such as ACAM2000. It is the only vaccine licensed by the FDA for active immunization against smallpox disease for people um, determined to be at high risk for smallpox infections. I wonder what parameters those are. Given the track record, it's worth asking why Emergent Biosolutions has been working in recent months to pivot much of its business into smallpox treatments. So weird how they started to really focus on that before they released the monkeypox. 
However, there's no speculation needed when observing the current monkeypox fears and helping rescue the company, whose share has fallen some 26% year-to-date before the concern of the recent monkeypox outbreak began to grow. Whatever comes of the monkeypox situation, Emergent Biosolutions' decades-long track record is undeniably one of corruption and cronyism. Siga Technologies, which likens its product to human bioarmor, features a quote from, everybody ready? Slop tits Bill Gate at the top of its about page. The quote reads, the next epidemic could originate on the computer screen of a terrorist attempt on using genetic engineering to create a synthetic version of the smallpox virus. So there's Bill Gates terrifying everybody saying that they're going to use it as a bioweapon. That's old Billy mm-hmm. for you. Now, ironically... I actually agree with Bill Gates. I do. The problem is who the fucking bioterrorists are. That's the problem. They're not sleeper cells. They're not ISIS. They're not Al Qaeda. They're not a guerrilla faction from Northern Africa. They are your politicians. That's who your bioterrorists are. The quote is from Bill Gates' speech to the 2017 Munich Security Conference where he used, uh, to the, used that threat specifically of smallpox to argue that health security and international security may be merged. Oh, thank goodness for that. Notably, last March, the Munich Security Conference hosted a simulation of a global pandemic caused by genetically engineered monkeypox virus. I'm going to read that one more time, everybody. Notably, last March... Last March, the Munich Security Conference hosted a simulation of a global pandemic caused by a genetically engineered monkeypox fucking virus. Yeah, guys, it was planned. Siga is one example of a company that seeks to find its niche in the middle of health security. Don't you love how they put that together? Like it's supposed to give you that warm and fuzzy, I'm safe, you fucks. And international security, of course, because we have to be able to expand this across all borders. Specifically provides solutions for unmet needs in health security market that comprises medical countermeasures against chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear threats. As well as emerging infectious disease. For fuck's sake, let's go ahead and toss the nukes in there too. And the nukes. Do you guys remember that book, Stone Soup? You remember that book? Oh, refresh me. Refresh me. All right. So Stone Soup, read it when I was a kid. I was in grade school. And, and, you know, I I think every kid reads it, right? So basically, there's these kids and they're hungry and they don't have any money and they don't have any stuff. So what they do, and and please, teachers and those of you that are very familiar with the book, it's literally been 30 years since I read the fucking thing. But the gist of it is these kids set up a big pot in the middle of a village and they fill it with water and they have nothing. So what do they do? They put a stone in there. That's the only thing they had. So what happens is somebody else in the village goes, well, you put something in, I can put a potato in there. And then somebody else in the village, they put a carrot in there. And then somebody else puts a turnip and somebody else puts a piece of meat and And eventually, at the end of the book, the entire village gets to eat this beautiful pot of soup together because they all contributed. Well, this is the stone soup of fucking death. 
And the people are, you know, Bill Gates and Carl Schwab, and that's who's putting it in there. But instead of putting a piece of meat or a potato, they're putting in shit that's going to fuck up your, your genetic sequencing and kill you. And that's what they're doing. Oh, I just can't believe they're throwing the nuclear fucking threats. It's amazing. The majority of contracts for CBRN medical countermeasures in the U.S. are funded by the Pentagon. Of course they are. While it promotes itself as a CBRN threat-focused company, SIGA is, for now, singularly focused on the smallpox. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. Indeed, SIGA Technologies is uh, only currently profitable in the event of an actual outbreak of smallpox, right on time, everybody, or related disease. There you have it, monkeypox, or when fear of a smallpox bioterror event is high. Uh, specifically, so what are they going to do, right? So is this going to be something that was accidental or jumped from a monkey to a person? Or are we going to come full circle and they're going to say that Putin is the one that actually, um, he strategically we, released it? We live in a whole economies based on fear. It's mm-hmm. boom, bust, boom, baby. Unbelievable. This means that it is only useful smallpox, monkeypox, or related diseases actively affecting people. If there's a high risk of one of these diseases will soon affect large groups of people. T-pox. <laughs> I'm going to start a, I want to wrap a name called T-pox. T-pox, y'all. What's up? It was the first approved in 2018 by the FDA and was approved by the European Medicine Association. Uh, in this past January, the FDA approved on intravenous version of T-pox. Uh, just this past Thursday. Oh, thank goodness for that. Overall, SIGA has received over $1 billion from the U.S. government to develop T-pox. Why is a billion so easy to get from our government? Especially for this. Like a billion dollars is a lot of fucking money. And it seems to me that like a billion is nothing. Like they just fucking just a billion to you, billion to you, billion to you. Ah, SIGA is currently partnered with the HHS BARDA, the Department of Defense. Thank goodness for that. The CDC and the NIH, our favorite government organizations. Another partner is Lonzo, a European pharmaceutical manufacturing firm that has partnered with both World Economic Forum and Moderna. <laughs> yeah. SIGA uh, CEO Philip Gomez is an alumnus uh, of PRTM, uh, alumnus, sorry. Consulting, where he would have worked closely with Robert Cadlick, no coincidences there, as the two men overlapped as directors of the firm and both worked advising government agencies on matters of public health and biodefense. SIGA is also notable because it's possibly the only company in the business empire of corporate raider John Perelman, uh, Ron Perelman, that is not attached to growing mountains of debt. Perelman is one of the notorious corporate raiders from the 1980s who conducted corporate takeovers fueled by junk bonds, particularly those connected to Michael Milton's Drexel, Byrne, and Lambert. Perelman's business tactics have long been informed by his volcanic temper and ruthlessness. So what they're saying is this guy is a mean scumbag motherfucker. Sounds like it. (laughs) It's unbelievable. He's a bad guy. Ruthlessness with former Solomon Brothers CEO John Gutfreund uh, once remarked that believing Mr. Perelman has no hostile intentions is like believing the tooth fairy exists. Perelman is also known for being a longtime patron of the Clinton family, even though more recently he donated Donald Trump's political campaigns. Uh, so why do you think he donated to Trump? Uh, he thought there was an opportunity there, and he's a snake, and a snake will take any opportunity it can. So, folks, uh, in magic, and uh, there's a thing called the Great Misdirect. Yeah. I believe that is the case of why he would have contributed to Trump. So they, uh, he wouldn't have his attachment to the criminal enterprise that is known as the Clinton family. 
Perelman apparently first became interested in courting uh, influence with the Clintons after marrying Patricia Duff in 1994. Duff was deeply connected to the Democratic Party, having worked for Democratic pollster Pat Cadell when she also worked for the House panel that investigated the assassinations of John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King. Well, thank goodness for her. Of course, there had to be a JFK and Martin Let Luther King you. assassination conspiracy wrapped into this. So, guys. We, we cover a lot of information. We cover a lot of articles. We cover a lot of scenarios. We cover a lot of problems. And suffice to say, and sir, I'd like to know your opinion. This is the deepest, darkest fucking well that we have ever oh, fallen the down. Ch- the checklist is going to grow even further because we haven't even gotten to the shit that I found. Not, not even the Whitney Webb oh, article. Right. <laughs> okay, moving on. I mean, this is just fucking oh, yeah. unbelievable. You would think it's unbelievable, but it is believable. Prior to marrying Perelman, she'd been married to movie mogul Michael Metavoy, who had introduced Clinton to the Hollywood establishment. Well, you got to find somewhere to fuck kids, don't you? That's the uh, pedo circle. As Perelman's wife, Duff, styled herself as a leading Democratic fundraiser, with a 1995 fundraising dinner being emblematic of that. Also in 1995, Perelman attended a $1,000 plate dinner in New York for the Clintons, where Perelman sat across from the president, as well as a state dinner for Brazil's president at the White House. For Perelman, his generosity to the Clinton political machine resulted in an appointment by Clinton to the Board of Trustees of the Kennedy Center in 1995. Other, less public gestures from the Clintons were likely, such as sharing kids, fucking animals, uh, as Perelman offered much more to the first family than he appeared to have received in return. Imagine that. Must have spent some time in Haiti with the Clintons. Perhaps most notable of Perelman's favorites from Bill Clinton was his offering of jobs uh, to scandal-ridden members of his administration, Webster Hubble and Monica Lewinsky, in the wake of their respective controversies. So the Lewinsky thing happened, and they just called a friend, got her a job. However, after the job offers were publicly reported, both Hubble and Lewinsky were let go, though their offers later caught the attention of an independent counsel, Ken Starr. Starr never subpoenaed or investigated Perelman or the offers he had made to the Hubble or Lewinsky. The controversial hirings have been arranged between Perelman and the Clinton advisor, Vernon Jordan, who sat on the board of Revlon, a Perelman-controlled company, while his wife was on the board of another Perelman-owned firm. Jordan was known as Clinton's conduit to the high and mighty and had taken Clinton to the 1991, (laughs) here comes everybody, Bilderberg Conference. The Bilderberg Group. Um, Whoa. You know, we've been told we've been told, right? Like this is the, this is the kind of shit where like for years, like I can only imagine like, uh, all right, I'm not the world's foremost expert on the work of Jordan Maxwell, but I'm sure people gave him plenty of shit in his lifetime by saying things like, Hey, you know, this Bilderberg group and people be like, no, that's so far fetched. People will never believe that shit. There's nothing there that you're just, you're just chasing some kind of fantasy tale. You're just weaving some sort of imaginary thing in your mind and just putting it out there for people to imbibe. Well, no, um, for for many years, <laughs> for many years, then there's been there's been a lot of us before us uh, that that have that have done this, that have sat behind microphones like this and said this shit. And yeah, we're still dealing with it. The bad guys always come back. They always break out of Arkham. We always have to go fucking get them. That's what we have to do. That's just life. <laughs> this is insane. 
On a decision to hire Lewinsky following a scandal, former business associate apparel men's told the Washington Post that it's like the mafia. It's all done in code. I'm going to. Um, you mean like, hey, I've tested positive for COVID. Thank goodness I'm vaccinated because it's mild. Like old fucking shit bird in California just mm-hmm. did. Gruesome newsome. Um, it's like the mafia. It's all done in code. Adding that I can assure you that Ronald made the decision to give Lewinsky the job. And I can assure you that he wouldn't want to know why Jordan was asking. 1995, Perelman held a Clinton fundraiser in his mansion with guests including Jim. <laughs> Come Jimmy on, Jimmy Buffett. Buffett. Oh, Jimmy, what are you doing? What are you doing? Miami Vice actor Don Johnson and actor Michael Douglas with then-wife Deandra. And the DNC co-chair Don Fowler. Other guests included A. Paul Prosperity. There's another fucking letter for a name. A corrupt Clinton crony and now infamous Jeffrey fucking Epstein. Yeah, that's right, everybody. Old Jeffy was there. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think he brought party favors with him? Do you think he did? Because I think he fucking did. Okay, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Alex Jones was right. There you have it, everybody. Clinton himself attended a fundraiser. Of course, Epstein was there. How could he miss that that sweet young poon? According to the Palm Beach Post, guests had donated at least $100,000 to the DNC to attend that dinner with the president. This was, of course, in the lead-up to the 1996 election, and the DNC would later come over heavy scrutiny due to illegal funding. Oh, that's shocking. DNC's really typically on the up-and-up. The fundraiser was not Epstein's only interaction interaction with Perelman. Perelman would later be listed as a frequent dinner guest of Epstein in the 2003 Vanity Fair profile penned by Vicki Ward and is listed in Epstein's Black Book of Contacts. Who else is in that? Who knows? (laughs) That's what I want to know. For most of the 2000s, Perelman had sat atop a massive ever-growing fortune, yet since 2020, Perelman has been unloading assets, a lot of them. You think he's going to disappear? man. Do you think he's going to disappear? Is he going to go? He's going to cash out and he's going to disappear to that island off of fucking Southeast Asia where Jeff Epstein is. They always do in the mob movies, right? They try and cash out, but then they get caught. Mm. Of course. It started with sales of valuable paintings at Sotheby's. Do you think he had a Hunter Biden? (laughs) (laughs) And soon extended to Perelman's investment company, McAndrews and Forbes, which disposed of its interest in two companies that same year including $1 billion in shares in scientific games. According to Money Week, Perelman's net worth dropped from $19 billion in 2018 to $4.2 billion. He's a horrible piece of shit with failing companies, and he was worth $19 billion fucking dollars. Dropped down to a measly $4.2 billion in late 2020, prompting speculation that he's running out of money. Over the course of last year, Perelman has continued to downsize, looking to sell off his estate in Hamptons for a mere $115 million and another 57-acre estate worth $180 million and two townhouses in Manhattan's Upper East Side for $60 million. Other assets held by Perelman's company, McAndrews and Forbes, are also struggling or drowning in debt. 
One of the few assets of the company that isn't currently hemorrhaging any money or struggling with debt is its shares in SIGA Technologies. Perelman's main company, McAndrews & Forbes, has long been one of SIGA's biggest investors and remains its largest shareholder, controlling 33% of all its shares. So now we know why it's getting all the funding. Um, because this is a Epstein Clinton fucking crony, a DNC crony, uh, and they're protecting him. Why? Well, if he's been to all these dinners with the Clintons and Epsteins, uh, I would imagine that he probably knows all about all the skeletons in the closet. And based on his character that's been described in this article, I'd say he'd be more than willing to go, I'll tell everybody, because he's a fucking scumbag. Since Perelman got involved with SIGA, accusations of corruptions have plagued the company. For instance, in May of 2011, SIGA was given a no-bid contract worth about $433 million to develop and produce 1.7 million doses of an antiviral drug for smallpox. At the time, there was no evidence a smallpox drug in question was capable of treating the disease, and there was alarm among some HHS staffers that SIGA's return on investment from the contract was outrageous. The contract began to be investigated. Uh, over concerns that the contract had been awarded to SIGA precisely because it was controlled by Perelman, who had been donated heavily to <laughs> Barry, 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 Barack Hussein Obama. And this goes back to my thoughts on why he donated to Trump, because he's donated to every liberal Democrat fucking scumbag. At the time, CNN noted the following about Perelman's connection to the Obama White House. Ronald Perelman is controlling shareholder of Sega Technologies, a longtime Democrat Party activist and fundraiser. He also uh, is a large contributor to Republicans. But what do you think? I think he gave money to Mitch McConnell. <laughs> yeah, any uh, Kevin McCarthy, <laughs> uh, any of those fucks. Absolutely. Lindsey Graham. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, all right, so, but has been a particular friend of the Obama White House. Thank goodness for that. Also on SIGA's board of directors is Andy Stern, former president of the Service Employees International Union, who's had close relationships with uh, the Obama administration, who has supported President o Barack Obama's health care initiatives. Oh, thank goodness. Do you think he helps support um, Michael Obama's shitty yes. school lunches? As a result of these concerns and the potential conflict of interest, imagine that a congressional investigation began. Days after learning that his uh, key government contract may be in jeopardy, SIGA executives sold off large amounts of the company stock at an average price of thirteen forty-six a share. Excuse me, netting its chief executive officer and scientific officer at the time millions of dollars. A month later, the uh, company announced that its contract had been downsized and shares in the company fell to under two dollars. Well, thank goodness they sold it when it was thirteen forty-six. Given past pay-to-play accusations around Perelman's role in the firm during the Obama administration, when President Joe Biden served as vice president, what are we to make of the recent media hype around monkeypox or concerns raised last year of bioterrorism event involving smallpox? Perhaps it's more important to ask other questions. Why has Perelman's role in SIGA been largely obfuscated uh, or totally ignored by the recent reporting on the company? Similarly, why has Emergent Biosolutions, a horrific track record, also been excluded from recent reports, including the major complaints from Congress made against the company less than two weeks ago? It seems that fear being generated around monkeypox is not only boosting shares for these two rotten fucking companies, but it is also helping the public forget their past sins. Bravo, sir. Yeah, that's a long one, <clears throat> but I think it was worth it. Because, man, if you had it, we should have made up cards. Like those cards where like if it reveals like a name on it, like you have to put like a marker down. How big would that fucking card be for just this one article? Everybody's, Everybody's there. there. 
<laughs> Everybody's this is in the damn mix Sergeant on this one. Pepper's like fucking album cover of, of shit heels in the world. They're all there. They're all represented. It's unreal. It, it really is. It's crazy. Um, this was like the Infinity War of, of of like fucking crossover crazy shit when it came to. Mm-hmm. But it gets it, it gets a little deeper here, and this is what I I wanted to add, John Henry, uh, before we wrapped up this topic because we we have spent some time on it, but and I think it's worth it because of well what we just read. But I was asking myself the other day, hey, if they were going to make this happen, like if they were going to, you know, you know, gimmick it, force it to happen, how would they do it? Well, don't worry. Moderna's already testing potential monkeypox vaccines. According to this, it says the World Health Organization said on Tuesday that there have been 131 confirmed monkeypox cases and another 106 further suspected cases. So they're going to keep ramping this up. But it says here, Moderna Inc. is testing potential vaccines against monkeypox in preclinical trials as the disease spreads in the United States and Europe. Now, I'm not going to hang on that too much because I wanted to bring this up. Um, it says here in this headline that the virus may be hypermutated as single origin identified in sequencing. Now, that, that's, that's kind of crazy. Now, we don't have to go over the... the, the the thing again about explaining what monkeypox is or, but uh, this is what I wanted to bring up though, is that down here, I think it is. Yes. The first draft genome sequence of the monkeypox virus associated with the current multi-country outbreak was produced from a confirmed case in Portugal and published last week in their new study, microbial genomicist, Dr. Vitor Borges of the national Institute of health and Dr. Ricardo George um, in Libsyn and his colleagues have followed up on this by releasing nine additional genome sequences of the virus. <clears throat> the genomic sequences were derived from samples taken from nine monkeypox patients in Portugal between May 15th, there's that date, and 17th this year. The team used an analytical method called high-throughput shotgun metagenomics in which DNA is sheared into many short sections, which are then independently sequenced. These short sequences are then reconstructed into a larger scale consequence sequence. That's great. But here's the kicker. Based on their analysis of the sequences, the team have come to a number of conclusions about the variant of monkeypox responsible for the recent outbreaks. They said the multi-country outbreak is most likely most likely has a single origin. This, they explained, can be inferred from the fact that all sequence viruses um, released so far are tightly clustering together. The new sequences also appear to confirm the findings of the first draft sequence, which suggested that the outbreak virus belongs to the West African clade. Now, furthermore, the researchers noted the outbreak variant appears to be most likely related to viruses associated with the exportation of monkeypox from Nigeria to several countries, including the UK, Israel, and Singapore back in 2018 and 2019. However, they reported the outbreak virus diverges a mean of 50 single nucleotide polymorphisms from those 2018-2019 viruses. This they added 
is far more than one would expect considering the estimated substitution rate for orthopox viruses. So that means that orthopox viruses, the genus of 12 species of viruses that are known to affect vertebrates, including uh, humans and mammals and orthropods, they are responsible for diseases, diseases such as smallpox, cowpox, and monkeypox. The researchers said that they cannot discard the hypothesis that the divergent branch results from an evolutionary jump, leading to a hypermutated virus caused by APOBEC3 editing. Now, that APOBEC3G is a human enzyme thought to play a human enzyme thought to play an important role in antiviral immunity by mutating and inactivating viral genomes via single-strand DNA editing. In this way, monkeypox may have been naturally or otherwise mutated by APOBEC3G during a previous infection of a human patient. The team added, we have already detected the first signs of microevolution within the outbreak cluster, namely the emergence of seven single nucleotide polymorphisms. Moving further, though, here's a nifty little study that I came across. And this one, go figure, when we talk about Alex Jones and all the crazy shit that he's talked about in the past. Let's go back, all the way back up here. I don't know why the chimeric contribution of human extended pluripotent stem cells to monkey embryos. Human monkey hybrids. They're chimeras. They're human monkey hybrids. That's what they're doing. I mean, I wanted to bring this up because if you wanted to make something, say, have an evolutionary push to jump from monkeys to humans and be really viral in humans, well, wouldn't you want to fuck with giving monkey... Well, you can't give it directly to humans, but you can give it directly to non-humans that are, would you say, um, chimeras? Remember that old great metalcore band from back in the day? <laughs> I do. I do that. Uh, the Arrows of Chaos yeah. was their logo. Well, we're getting there. Oh, this is yep. fucked up. So, the- And here's my that's terrifying oh. moment of the week. Oh, oh, oh you'll <laughs> see. You'll see where this leads. Um, so the summary here, it says interspecies chimera formation with human pluripotent stem cells or HPSCS uh, represents a necessary alternative to evaluate HPSC pluripotency in vivo and might constitute a promising strategy for various regenerative medicine applications, including the generation of organs and tissues for transplantation, say for this, you know, evolving uh, market for trans people that want real tits and dicks and things, maybe? I don't know. Um, Studies using mouse and pig embryos suggest that HPSCs do not robustly contribute to chimera formation in species evolutionary distant to humans. We studied that chimera competency of human-extended pluripotent stem cells, or HPSCs, H-E-P-S-C-S, in Sinumulgus monkeys. Those monkeys. Now, why those monkeys? Well, 
they're pretty common to be used in experiments. But let's read on. They used those embryos, cultured ex vivo. It says, we demonstrate the HEPSCs survived, proliferated, and generated several peri- and early post-implantation cell lineages inside monkey embryos. We also uncovered signaling events underlying, underlying interspecific crosstalk that may help shape the unique developmental trajectories of human and monkey cells within chimeric embryos. These results may help to better understand early human development and primate evolution, i.e. playing God, John Henry, and develop strategies to improve human chimerism and evolutionary distant species. Now, this is taken back in 2021, I think. Yes, April 15th, 2021. Well, remember those monkeys, John Henry, that you brought up? We pulled our up our old buddy's politifact for this one. Because <laughs> even they have to cop to it. Because here it goes. <sighs> Suggests a, a January traffic accident involving lab monkeys was responsible for spreading monkeypox to humans. No evidence, of course. No evidence that lab monkeys and PA crash were infected with monkeypox or spread it to humans. But it says a Facebook memes. Do you remember at the beginning of the pandemic where there was no evidence of human-to-human yes, transition yes, transmission? this is what this is, mm-hmm. and okay. I love it. I, I, a mm-hmm. Facebook meme, because they, this, of course, gotta, they got to mention Facebook in there, stitches together several news events involving monkeys to come up with one unfounded theory about monkeypox. The May 21st post suggests that a January traffic accident involving lab monkeys was responsible for spreading monkeypox to humans. Meme shows three news headlines. Don't approach lab monkey missing in Pennsylvania crash, people told. Dated January 22nd. Woman who helped monkeys in Pennsylvania crash experiencing health issues report. Dated January 25th. And CDC monitors six people in the U.S. for possible rare monkeypox. Says public should not be concerned. Dated May 25th. The caption says, hey, I've seen this one before. And includes emojis of monkeys pantomiming, see no evil, speak no evil, you're no evil. The post was flagged as part of Facebook's efforts to combat false news and misinformation on its newsfeed. You fucking bastards. There is no evidence that the January traffic accident involving Sinomalgus monkeys. <laughs> Remember those monkeys? Or long-tailed macaques. <laughs> PolitiFact, you can suck on our long-tailed macaque. You fucks. <laughs> but I didn't, I, I can't end it there because it gets worse. It gets worse. This, the Department of Agriculture. Um, I pulled this about the infectiousness in humans, community. Uh, yeah. It says monkey pox can be tentatively diagnosed if the characteristic skin lesions are present and there is a history of exposure. A definitive diagnosis can be made by isolating the monkeypox virus or by identifying orthopox viruses in skin lesions with electron microscopy. Viruses may also be found in throat and nasopharyngeal swabs. Remember those? 
In addition, monkeypox infections can be oh, confirmed no. with oh, polyamorous no. chain oh, reaction no. PCR tests. No. no. More <laughs> shit up your nose. PCR yes. tests. Yes, more shit up your nose. Oh, never fucking ends. Now, it also says under treatment and vaccination, treatment of monkeypox is mainly supportive. And this is where it gets really fucking crazy. The antiretroviral drug Cytofovir has been effective in vitro and animal studies, but its efficacy against monkeypox in humans is unknown. The toxic effects of this drug, the toxic effects of this drug must also be considered. The efficacy of vaccinia immune globulin or VIG in cases of monkeypox is unknown. The human smallpox vaccine is thought to help prevent monkeypox infections as well as Increase the severity of the symptoms. <laughs> severity of the symptoms. Post-exposure vaccination uh, may also be helpful. <laughs> Why not? The CDC currently recommends smallpox vaccination only in people who have been or are likely to be exposed to monkeypox. The World Health Organization does not recommend routine vaccination yet of healthy people in endemic areas, as the benefits of vaccination. <laughs> Do not appear to outweigh the risks and expense. Well, until now. And then in particular, HIV infection with its concurrent immunosuppression is common in the parts of Africa where monkeypox occurs. So this drug, this cytofervir, John Henry. Welcome to the cytofervir exposure registry of MCure Pharma. UKLTD. Uh, as we go down here, it says cytofervir is used to treat an eye infection called CMV retinitis in patients with AIDS, acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. Cytofervir will not cure CMV retinitis, won't cure AIDS either, but it may improve your condition by delaying progression of the disease. The safety and efficacy of cytofervir has not been demonstrated in diseases other than CMV retinitis in patients with AIDS. But cytoverbium must be administered by a healthcare professional, a doctor or nurse, in a hospital setting. Now it says that what is CMV retinitis? CMV retinitis is an eye infection caused by a virus named cytomegalovirus, CMV. CMV attacks the retina of the eye and may cause loss of vision and eventually lead to blindness. Patients with age are at high risk of developing CMV retinitis or other forms of CMV disease such as colitis, inflammatory bowel disease. Um, also, treatment for CMV retinitis is necessary to reduce the potential for blindness. Cytofervir is an antiviral medicine which blocks the replication of CMV by interfering with viral DNA production. Now, also, cytovervir, cytovervir, folks, as I scroll down here, there are several really nasty things about this drug that I would want to bring up. Cytovervir is available as an intravenous formulation too. Yay! Cytovervir can be administered by probenesid which decreases side effects to the kidney. Probenesid uh, mitigates nephrotoxin and 
inhibiting organic anion transport of the proximal tubule epithelial cells of the kidney. That's fun. In addition, hydration must be administered to patients receiving cytofervir. One liter of normal saline is recommended in conjunction with each dose of cytofervir. Wow, let's look at these side effects. We got nausea, vomiting, uh, neutropenia. Uh, that's an, ooh, what is that? And that's an abnormally low concentration of neutro neutrophils in the blood. Neutrophils make up the majority of circulating white blood cells. That seems bad. And serve as the primary defense against infections. Like the infection in your fucking eye that you take this shit for. By destroying bacteria. You mean the good bacteria in your gut too? Bacterial fragments and immunoglobulin bound viruses in the blood. Wow. Hair loss. Great. Weakness, headache, chills, decreased uh, interocular pressure, avolitis. That's an inflammation of the uvula, the pigmented layer that layers between the inner retina of the outer fibrous layer composed of the sclera and cornea. The uvula consists of the middle layer of pigmented vascular structures of the eye and includes the iris, ciliary body, and choroid. Wow, that's crazy. We don't want that. So it beats the infection in your eye by causing a severe yeah. issue in and your eye? and then iritis and the, the inflammation of that too. Now, here's the part that I wanted to include. Um, besides the mechanism of action, all this other stuff, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Let's see. Do, 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 do. Where is that part? Oh, I think I found it. The... The drug has been used and has been distributed by our old friends in Pfizer. <laughs> Cytofervir was discovered at the Institute of Organic Chemistry and Biochemistry, Prague, by Antonin Holly and developed by Gilead Sciences. Oh, we've heard of them before, too. And is marketed by the brand name Vistide by Gilead in the U.S., and by Pfizer elsewhere. Maybe like in Israel and places like that, that they pretty much own. Okay. Well, that wraps up uh, Monkey Pox, the conspiracy, if you will. I, I think we did uh, a pretty excellent job in going over all that. Man, we we hammered on that topic. So uh, let's I move agree. on to another terrible one. I'm not one. one to give up to... <laughs> You know, to toot our own horn, but toot toot, motherfuckers. There's, There's your monkeypox. Monkey I don't think we could have named any other names. That is the name dropping event of the century, just going over all the monkeypox ties. But here's another name drop John Henry. Here's Don Jr. I, I know that you wanted to read this to our audience because uh, of what was said um, about this incident that we're about to talk about here with the Evaldi shooting. So. I do. Um, you know, I'm going to keep this topic yes. brief. Uh, obviously, if you're listening to our show, um, you know, you guys have continually heard about this all week on every platform. So I don't want to spend too much time, but I want to share my opinions on it. So um, I'm not even going to say his name, but I do appreciate the fact that uh, Trump said he'll be burning in the deepest depths of hell for what he did at the NRA conference uh, this last week. So so the scumbag's mother, she says he had his reasons for doing what he did. Please don't judge him. And I'm going to share my opinion on his reasons here in just a second. I'm a big fan of Don Jr. Um, he pulls no punches, none whatsoever. 
and I just really appreciate, uh, you know, how spot on he is. So here's what Don Jr. said about this. We're not supposed to judge this, judge this fucking piece of shit who killed 19 kids. He had his reasons. Fuck you. This is so much of the problem in our society. There's always a fucking excuse and zero accountability, and we're not allowed to say anything about it. It's the gun, not the sociopath wielding it. If it wasn't for the gun, he'd be a great, well-adjusted kid that wouldn't have done the same thing with a bat or a bomb. Bullshit. We're not supposed to judge, and we have to pretend that even our biggest psychos are totally great for fear of reprisal, for fear of lawsuits, for fear of being stigmatized and maligned. Uh, ourselves for often stating the obvious and calling it out see something say something but if you actually do that and the kid or his parents complain they call you a bigot and they want you charged with hate crimes enough is enough Um, we've been coddled too long and to teach the lowest common denominator failing anyone who had a chance beyond the low bar and these are the results we try to pretend that everything is fine because we can't acknowledge anymore that people are fucked up and what the actual causes are. It's not the collapse of family structure or education system, batshit crazy woke teachers and their indoctrination programs uh, in schools. It's obviously not discipline, patience, and perseverance, all gone uh, from our instant gratification society. It's none of those things. Whatever it is, we can just throw pills at it and pretend that it's taken care of the problem. Our own stupidity, apathy, wokeness, and laziness that's the problem until we fix the rest and until we fix that. And the rest is just talk. Um, that is so extraordinarily accurate. And what I want to cover briefly is, is you find you're asking yourself, how could this happen? And tonight folks, I'm going to tell you how this happens. Our society is broken. Our culture is broken. We actually create these sociopath fucking lunatics. We create them into a shitbag fucking mother, you piece of fucking human filth. Uh, You know, if we could abort you at your age of 50 or whatever the fuck you are, uh, I'd be happy to do that. The problem is a drug-addled mother, an absent father, that shuttles their child off to grandma's house. The problem is our culture. It's our culture that we live in and what it cultivates. It's the idea of fame. The second amendment, or second commandment, rather. I'm going to read that for a second. And um, I'm going to explain why. It's important. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven or above, or is that in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, your Lord God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not worship false idols. Where this comes from, how this happens, is fame, attention is a currency. How many likes we get on Facebook posts or Instagram? How many retweets that we get? How much attention can we garner? That's why we push it to these extremes. That's why children are deciding that they're not boys anymore and they want to be girls and girls want to be boys and some of them want to be in between and asexual and pansexual. All these woke, fucked up teachers handing signage and and promoting sexuality or sexualizing these children in schools. They do it for attention. 
Well, how do we know that? Because they do it and then they post a fucking TikTok video about yep. it. Any Friday of your life, go to Fleckus Talks. Watch his week in review. It is a fucking plague and it is a fucking disease. And the problem is in a motherless and fatherless home, you have a kid that wants attention. He wants that social credit score. The problem is attention isn't always easy to get. The problem is if you're a loner that worked at Wendy's for a little bit and you don't really have any friends, you're not going to get much attention. So when you look at the idea of fame, because in our culture, we have really pushed worship of celebrity in worship of fame. That's why you see copycat killers, right? And people idolize, you know, musicians and they idolize actors and actresses, right? But again, what it does is it gives people the green light to be a, you know, sociopathic fuck. One thing that I can certainly take away from the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial is Amber Heard is the textbook definition of a fucking sociopath. And she's famous and she's rich And people pay attention to her. But here's the problem with fame for people like this shitbag fucking scum that did this to these poor children. Fame takes talent. Fame takes time. Fame takes hard fucking work. It takes effort. It takes good looks. It takes dedication. But there's a problem there. The problem is fame takes work and fame takes time. Infamy takes a gun. That's what's wrong. That's why this continues to happen. Everybody wants to come out. They want to attack the guns and all of these things, but they don't want to attack mental health. They don't want to attack a broken family unit. They don't want to attack a drug-addled mother and a fucking father that doesn't even know his child. That's why this happens. That's why it's happened before, and it'll continue to happen again and again and again. Because the love and attention that these psychopaths receive are from people on message boards and forums. People telling them the negative shit. This kid was on a French message board talking about how he's going to kill people, but nobody ever flagged it. Nobody did anything. He had three social media posts. I'm going to shoot my grandma. I just shot my grandma. And now I'm going to an elementary school to shoot children. Folks, that's the problem. Our culture's broken. And people worship false idols. So in lieu of working hard and and somehow establishing fame or money or whatever it is they want to get the biggest amount of attention, they react in a horrific, horrific way. And subsequently, lives are lost. Our culture is broken. Our country is broken. Our communities are are broken the way that we fix this is we fix ourselves from the inside out we fix it through faith through family through morals accountability setting the right example taking responsibility for raising the children that you bring into this world it's not the gun it is the culture It is the current world that we live in. It is the attention that we give to Jazz, the first transgender kid with a fucking TV show. It's Disney putting trans people on there and thinking it's cute and grooming children. 
There's pictures of this guy with lipstick on and all this bullshit. Folks, I can't tell you any more seriously than this moment. The entertainment industry is poisoning your children and it is poisoning you. You need to recognize that and understand that. Folks, pay attention. Give these kids and, and, and these families and these people the love that they need. Because that is the only way we redirect this. This is a horrific act. And we can hope and pray that we never see anything like this again. But the problem is, if we don't fix it with the things that we know will repair this broken culture and broken system, it will continue to happen again and again and again. Stricter gun control is not the solution. There's a lot of things that you already know about this. How did he get thousands and thousands of dollars worth of firearms? Why was he driving a $50,000 truck? Right? And, and you know, I'm going to turn it back over to you, Six, but I don't even want to get into the response from the Uvalde Police Department because that was so unbelievably upsetting for me. And you know that we are pro-first responders and public servants, and, and we're really pro protecting the community. But everything about this was wrong. So I hope he rots in the pits of fucking hell and his mother making such an obscene statement. He had his reasons and don't judge him. You, ma'am, are fucking menace to society. As is any parent that treats their child that way. We have to fix it and we have to fix it now. Well, remember when you brought up the uh, nobody flagged it uh, type of part? Well, Let's look into that. This is from the Daily Mail. It says, Revealed, Ovalde's school district was part of an AI program that rooted out potential mass killers and monitored social media for threats and potential shooters, it says. Now, remember that ESSER funds that our friends uh, Ryan and, and Jessica were talking about? And all these, all these social-emotional learning programs that our tax dollars have been going into now? Well, that's this kind of shit. <clears throat> Texas school officials have been monitoring students' social media prior to the deadly shooting at Uvalde Tuesday. It has been revealed. But it still failed to pick up on concerning posts from the teenage gunman in the days leading up to the tragedy. As an 18th birthday present to himself earlier this month, now deceased suspect, fuck that guy, bought two AR-style rifles and paraded them on social media, including an ominous messages. Well, let's specify something for a second. Those are Daniel Defense firearms, yeah. sporting rifles. Now, I am pro-Second Amendment, and I happen to have quite a bit of knowledge about I think firearms. I got a picture of them here. And uh, Daniel Defense is a very high-end weapon. They're very expensive. I believe that those two firearms are between about four dollars and $5,000 for the pair of them. That's a lot of fucking money. A lot of money. Where could he have gotten that money working at Wendy's? Yeah. Part-time. Man, must be a banging Wendy's location. I'm just saying. Um, now, it says, also, the ensuing massacre of the deadliest in U.S. elementary school history uh, since the infamous 2012 Sandy Hook shooting left 19 students under age 11 and two adults at Uvalde Elementary dead. 
It's also reported that, yes, John Henry, like you mentioned, that Fox shot his 66-year-old grandmother before embarking on the killing spree. But it says, now, Evaldi school officials say they had been monitoring its students' social media pages using an advanced, so fucking advanced, AI-based service called Social Sentinel. Are we living in the fucking X-Men now? Is this where, <laughs> is this where it's come to? <clears throat> It's minority They're sending out the sentinels designed to recognize signals of potential harm found in digital conversations. Yeah, it's just like you said, uh, mind reading uh, minority report. Hey, would you say that I am going to shoot my grandma? I just shot my grandma would be potential harm. Would that fall Maybe. in that category? I, I don't. I, it depends. I guess the, it depends on the code um, that the district revealed Monday that it had been using the platform to monitor that that district just so happened to be using that platform to monitor all social media with a connection to Valdi as a measure to identify any possible threats to be might be made against students and or staff within the school district. Now it says, according to its creators, the service powered by advanced linguistics technology scans and analyzes digital content to pick out and flag potential safety and security risks as well as mental health and social and emotional concerns. How can we gauge and study and track someone's grief? How can we study the psychological damage of children after they've seen their schoolmates shot in front of them? Oh, with this program that we're paying for. That's how. Yeah, we're, we're going to track all that shit. That's what this is going to do, John Henry. This isn't just about, this isn't, if, if it's even about stopping or preventing anything, which we should never, you know, take that for granted, like take that at face value, like that's real. But what it really might be doing, and something really, really sick, really sick, is that it's going to track how this harmed these kids emotionally through their identities on social media. Now it says the software scans selected digital content, in this case, thousands of students, social media accounts and identifies language that fit those criteria. The powerful technology is designed to then alert leaders. If a community member is showing signs of crisis so they can intervene before an incident occurs the service also scans threatening images, maybe like promos for our show, along with its associated text like Bill Gates' sloppy tits, before determining whether it is something community leaders should look into. <laughs> However, in this particular instance, the technology fell short. You don't say. Yes, you, you really don't. Oh, failing to spot that fucker's objectively concerning posts and notified district officials. It is not immediately clear why the technology failed to flag the posts. And Daily Mail has reached out to Social Sentinel and Uvalde School District staffers for comment on the software's apparent failure Wednesday morning, but did not immediately hear back. Now, students and parents also failed to spot the post from the troubled student who was described as a bullied loner who slowly dropped out of school to teasing about his lisp, wearing of eyeliner clothes and his family's poverty let me read that again they made fun of him 
Does he have a lisp? Okay. Habit of wearing eyeliner. Yeah, I guess yeah, it depends on the kind of music. Yeah, if you're into that dark wave shit. Uh, clothes. Yeah, I've worn some fucked up clothes. But his family's poverty, though. Now, John Henry, if this guy's family is fucking poor, and he works part-time at Wendy's. Again, how's he come up with those two fucking beautiful-looking black rifles there? I don't know. And a brand new F-250. Yeah. It's about a, a $70,000, $80,000 truck. Are they going to start wearing, like, are the shooters going to start wearing the NASCAR suits now? Is that is that how sick our fucking corporatist society has become? I wonder if that was a government-issued uh, F-250. Well, you'd think that, you know, with teachers these days, if he wore eyeliner, everybody would celebrate oh, yeah. him. He would be... For embracing his yes, femininity. month. Brought to you by Revlon, connected to Jeffrey Epstein. But, uh, you know... It says, Uvalde's school district encourages students, parents, staff, and community members are encouraged to share information that is deemed troubling with the district using a reporting system so they can take appropriate action. Those who knew that fuck or his relatives say that he was a nice but quiet boy who grew increasingly violent as he became older amid relentless bullying uh, both in school and online. Now, Santos Valdez told the Washington Post that he used to be friends with uh, that asshole and played online shooter games such as Fortnite and Call of Duty with him until the pair stopped. Yeah, I've never talked about Call of Duty's impact on mm, kids, never. have I? And it also says uh, Valdez said that he had showed up to the park one time with cuts, this, this fuck, all over his face, initially claiming he was scratched by a cat before admitting that he did it to himself with a knife. Uh, this one person that considered the shooter a friend in the eighth grade said he was bullied by a lot of people, including uh, for over a photo of himself wearing eyeliner, which led to gay taunts. And uh, yeah, because that this is this is to get the uh, transgender and uh, gay community in on it too. I'm sure. I mean, is is all of this a stage? We'll we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, one thing I wanted to bring up too. I mean, of of heroes, when we talk about heroes, and John Henry, you've talked about heroes in the past. Um, this mother reportedly getting out of handcuffs, talking somebody to let her out of the handcuffs, jumps the fucking fence, goes into the school, rescues the kids. I mean, if this isn't a... a I mean, we're not going to hang on this too long, folks, but one thing I wanted to say is, I mean, I want you to take a look at this... Fuck out of here with that. This young mother, all right? This is her young children. And she was able to hop a fence where people were being like fucking tackled and tasered and everything else. She was able to hop at least this fence, maybe even a taller one, and got in there and got her kids the fuck out of there. If that doesn't give you the initiative to wake up tomorrow and want to start taking better physical care of yourself, so you can do the same thing if need be, if need be and you never know, right? Um, then you might want to do that. You know, take better care of yourself. Love yourself like you love your kids, folks. But, John Henry, what do you have to say about this young lady and 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 this, if anything, about this little? You know, the video came out of the parents pleading, um, parents being handcuffed and tased by the police officers. I believe the most current um, time frame is uh, 118 minutes before they went into the school. 
that in itself is such a fucking travesty. I, I can't even begin to talk about how upsetting it is that he massacred these children with the police standing outside. Um, thank God uh, to the gentleman that was border control that got a firearm and went in there and, and stopped the threat. So I was listening to X-22 today. And, um, you know, Mike Baker, ex-CIA, I like Mike Baker, I like listening to him on Rogan. And uh, apparently he did some research here. And specifically two months ago, the police in Uvalde, Texas, did an active shooter training in reference to schools, where specifically what they were trained on is no matter what, at all costs, you get in there and you engage and eliminate the threat. Without hesitation. And they were given a stand down order. While children, babies were being fucking massacred. So. Uvalde Police Department, those of you standing there. And some of you went into that school and pulled your own children out. And went back outside where these kids were being killed. May God have mercy on your fucking soul. Shame on every one of you. Shame on you. And the person that gave the stand down order should be held responsible for this. Should be held responsible. To me, uh, you know, I just, it's so fucking upsetting to me. Because when I think about this mother... I think about that if it came to my daughter's safety, I swear to you, there is nothing that would stop me. Nothing. And the police are the ones that are supposed to be helping these people, protecting the community and protecting the children. I don't want to get into this because it's really fucking frustrating. It's really, really, really upsetting to me. But thank God for the woman that went and got her children and her strength as a mama. Because when Mama Bear comes out, there's no fucking stopping it. And thank God for the gentleman, the border security patrol agent that got, you know, shot on the top of his head, split his hat in half. Thank God it wasn't more severe and took out the fucking threat. So every excuse that the police department is giving, shame on you. That should have been handled and the threat should have been eliminated. Because in that training that Mike Baker referenced on Twitter, it says that even if you are going to engage in gunfire, you can lose your life. The number one priority is you go find the threat, engage the threat, and eliminate the fucking threat. Period. Period. It's poor children. It's poor families. It's just, it's so upsetting. It really is. So Angel Rose Gomez You are a hero, not just to your children, but to all parents for what you did, putting yourself in a situation where you could have lost your life, but that didn't matter to you. That's parenting. If this fucking scumbag had a mother that was 10% of this woman, this wouldn't have happened in the first place. Well said. And uh, let's talk about another hero too. I kind of wanted to... About that topic, like you said, John Henry, like channels like ours have certainly covered this up and down. And I wanted to give some shout outs to some people in a second here, too, that have done excellent coverage of this. But before we got there, um, I wanted to include this, too. This is also from the Daily Mail. This is why we need the Second Amendment. 
West Virginia mystery woman is hailed as a hero for using legally owned pistol to kill criminal armed with an AR-15 style rifle at a graduation party a day after the Uvalde school shooting. Says the unidentified woman shot and killed Dennis Butler on Wednesday in Charleston, West Virginia. He showed up to a graduation party at the Vista View apartment complex. Butler, a 37-year-old convicted felon, had an AR-style assault rifle, and it's unclear what his motive was or if he even knew anyone. Hey, everybody, guess what? Felons cannot purchase their own firearms. So I imagine that weapon was stolen because criminals break the law. Every fucking law. They don't pick and choose. So you're pushing your horse shit narrative that people shouldn't own guns. And these are weapons of war. You know what's not a weapon of war? I don't know. I mean, any firearm is technically a weapon of war. But it's this woman that legally owned her firearm, saw a threat, and engaged that threat. This is how you fucking do it. Before there was five or 10 or 15 people killed here. You fucking engage the threat and you eliminate the threat. So good for her. And of course you don't hear about this because it goes back to the old adage. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy, or in this case, a good woman with a gun. Yeah. Apparently this is uh, old Dennis Butler. Uh, I'm so sorry. We won't be paying for that felon's meals yeah. in prison. What a shame. I don't know if it's just the, uh... This is where the apartment complex, apparently, where the government opened fire. And the unidentified woman pulled her legally owned weapon out and shot him dead. And no one else was hurt. Good. Fantastic. It should go. Save lives. All right. So moving on, I wanted to do a quick little segment, just giving a couple shout outs to people in the Liberty community uh, for their reactions this past week. Like we hear so much in the mainstream media and like the type of shit that we cover in the articles that we read about the, what, what Republicans response to this are, which of course is more gun control and shit like that. And then you have like your, your insane progressives and liberal people, whatever the fuck. Well, I wanted to give a highlight instead of people like Beto O'Rourke, which can royally go fuck himself this after this past week. If he, if he if he couldn't have gone and fucked himself before, he definitely can go and fuck himself. I now. wish that sheriff would have fucking smacked him Great. with his cane. <laughs> <It's a tap. laughs> That's what I wanted to see. I wanted that old man to beat the fuck out of Beto O'Rourke. But this one I pulled from uh, our friend Garter Goldsmith. Exploiting that. Exploiting oh, yeah. these children's death to make that fucking spectacle. These people disgust yeah. me. I mean, uh, And this, I wanted to pull because this shows like some of the division in our society, even on people that are quote unquote on our side. Uh, John Voight is an actor that probably our political leanings would, you know, we we would be somewhat aligned in most instances, but then in the emotional state of these moments, um, and maybe like you said too, about that need for approval, that need for, um, you know, just getting, getting good social credit. (laughs) That's recognition. Again, it's, mm-hmm. it's currency. It's what our currency need to is build today. Currency, you say stupid shit like he said here, and guard takes him to task for it, and in a polite way, probably a lot more polite than we'll be to him. So, John Voigt errors uh, calling for mental health screens and mandated training to buy guns, and he seems to think that people with criminal intent will abide by gun statutes. So, guard making your point, <laughs> yeah. man, you know it. It says, Mm -hmm. sliding like a hockey puck across the slippery surface of Twitter this weekend is a brief video that actor John Voight released in response to the mass murder of children in Uvalde, Texas. 
on of the tw- uh, one of the Twitterati who posted it is hardcore collectivist lawyer Rama and pop media commentator Ron Filipowski, and here is El Linko. Uh, thankfully, Addy Filipowski offered this in case people wanted his digested and regurgitated distillation. Mega hero actor John Voigt goes off the rails on them after the Avaldi school shooting. There should be the proper qualifications for gun ownership, proper testing. One should only own a gun if they're qualified and schooled. Elgard goes on to say, and indeed, Mr. Voigt said that and dug the hole deeper, saying early on, we must identify every individual for their credentials, for their mental capacity to bear arms, which not only is imprecise use of the language, it also is indicative of a disconnection from the fact that people with criminal intent by the very ex-ante basis of their desire to commit crimes, do not pay attention to statutes telling them they cannot acquire firearms. (laughs) The problem of criminally-minded people attacking other people does not arise from a dearth of statutes telling those people that the state disapproves of aggression unless only the state engages in said aggression. These so-called gun restrictions enacted in Australia after a mass shooting in Tasmania in 1996 did not result in lower violent crime rates. As many gun grabbers purport, in 2018 I got to write for MRC TV, it says, and an extensive refutation of this claim and of the equally incorrect whopper that gun grabbing in the UK circa 1997 lowered violent crime in Britain. Among those points, you will see this. Any and all stats on gun ownership bans are correlative. But with growing numbers of correlative studies, one can come closer to a comfortable assumption of causation. Any honest person engaging in the debate must note that there are many factors that seem to correspond with lower crime rates. One of those, in particular, is a growing economy. Number two, it says it's important to consider levels of black market crime for things such as drugs that contribute to violent confrontations and violent crime stats. And that is entirely correct because they don't give a fuck about the gang violence. They never talk about how the gang violence is included in these figures that they use against us, too. Now, it also says, number three, we have to consider the overall time window of the stats. This is particularly important in the case of Australia. Included uh, Number four, included in the U.S., uh, gun death stats are suicides, which comprise the bulk of firearm deaths. And though they vary from year to year, usually stand almost twice as high as homicides and accidental gun-related deaths. However, promoters of gun-grab laws seem to have no problem calling suicides homicides. Yeah, just like uh, uh, vehicle accidents were, were COVID deaths too. And number five, we have to ask the most fundamental question, what is, the, what is a mass shooting? And the answer to that is ambiguous. Of course, they keep it that way, right? And this is an area where gun grabbers will take the most basic of definitions, that being a shooting of more than one person included in stats, thus throwing motor suicides and gang violence in places like Chicago, where gun control laws have not stopped gun-related crime into the mix. And he goes on to further explain uh, his claim from Australia, but uh, this is an excellent breakdown, for, especially for people that want like a good history and a lot of good links. Uh, to some things that that Guard has done in the past and other people. He was very meticulous in all the different stuff that he brings up here in sites. So, man, uh, he could really write and cranking them out, too. Like, I think he did three this past week. Dude's a machine. An absolute machine. 
So let me touch on this for a second. Um, there is actually one thing I agree with John Voigt on, on this topic. Just in my personal opinion, um, I do believe that there should be a mandatory firearm training class before you purchase a gun. I am in total agreement with that. Um, you know, as an example, so uh, I haven't had an active hunting license in a lot of years. So I just had to take my, um, my hunting safety course to be able to get the license in the state that I reside in. And the whole entire thing is not so much, um, you know, how to hunt. It's not how to go find an animal and shoot an animal or harvest an animal, but it's specifically all information on how to be careful. Because, you know, the majority of, of deaths with firearms are obviously of suicide, then you have murders, but there's also a lot of negligent discharge and there's a lot of accidents that happen. So, you know, I do think that's the case. Now, um, outside of that, right, then you have the mental health piece. And my opinion on this one, um, you know, when you purchase a firearm, you fill out an application and do your background check. And there's a couple specific things it asks for. You know, do you suffer from anxiety or depression? Um, are you a felon? Um, have you ever had a restraining order against you? Things like that, right? Do you have mental illness? And unfortunately, you know, on those ones, as far as mental health, they just kind of have to take your word for it. Now, that being said, there's a slippery slope here, right? Because there's a threshold of, we don't talk a lot about a social credit score here, is, you know, when does that bar get raised to social media posts? Or if you believe the election was rigged, then you're mentally ill. So there's a lot of problems on that side. Um, but one of the other things about firearm safety courses are about how to store weapons so they don't get stolen. That's something every gun owner should know. You know, I have a friend of mine and, um, you know, he's like, hey, man, I'm going to put I, I probably shared the story before. He goes, hey, man, I joined the NRA. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. He goes, I'm going to put an NRA sticker on my truck. I go, cool. You want broken windows? And he's like, what? I said, do you want your windows broken on your truck? He's like, well, no. I said, then don't put a fucking NRA sticker on your truck. Because one of the things you learn in these courses is that if you put a Beretta sticker, a Glock sticker, an NRA sticker, well, criminals, felons that can't buy guns, well, that is basically an advertisement of a vehicle they can steal a gun out of. So one of the reasons I'm a big proponent of a firearm safety course to buy a gun is because it teaches people like that. And that should lessen the likelihood of guns being stolen because you're a little bit more attentive to that. And that's important. So that's my thoughts no, on it. I'm glad you Just added my that. Opinion. And uh, let's, let's move on to another piece that I wanted to pull to. This is from the Mises Institute. Um, and this one is written by Ryan McMakin. Uh, it says, police botched the Uvalde standoff. Now gun controllers want to give police more power. It says, first it was Columbine, then it was Parkland. Now we learn at Rob Elementary School, police officers again stood around outside a school while the killer was inside with children. Just like you talked about, John Henry. And it says, frustrated onlookers urge police officers to urge I'm sorry, to charge into the Texas elementary school where the gunman's rampage killed 19 children and two teachers. Witnesses said Wednesday, as investigators worked to track the massacre that lasted upwards of 40 minutes and ended when the 18-year-old shooter was killed by a Border Patrol team. Uh, in quotes, just says, go in there, go in there. Nearby women shouted at the officers soon after the attack began. 
said uh, Juan Carranza, 24, who saw the scene from outside his house across the street from Robert Elementary School in the close-knit town of Uvalde. Carranza said the officers did not go in. Um, and I just wanted to scroll down here because we know a lot of the background there, but um, this is something that uh, he brings up here. Police have no legal duty to protect you. It says, but don't expect the police to face any repercussions or be held to account. It is now a well-established legal principle in the federal courts that in spite of the marketing gimmick motto of protect and serve, police are not actually under any obligation to protect the public from harm. In the cases DeShaney uh, versus Winnebago and Town of Castle Rock versus Gonzalez, the Supreme Court has ruled that the police agencies are not obligated to protect citizens. In other words, police are well within their rights want everybody to really take that. Oh, yeah. Destroys judicial supremacy. (laughs) When something that you said earlier, when you talked about Mm -hmm. that mother, right? Guys, physical fitness and situational awareness is incredibly important because what's ironic is you see these people, um, you know, like, uh, you know, we'll talk about January 6th, right? And you have these idiots screaming about insurrection and storming the Capitol. And these people can't even make it up the stairs without getting winded. Now, maybe that's a poor example, but let's say you have to react. If you have to do something to protect your children, are you in the physical condition to do that? I mean, that's something that I think you really need to ask yourself. You know, can you run a half a mile if you had to? obviously we just fucking pound cheeseburgers and are a bunch of fat fucks that lay around on the couch and that's not everybody but there's more people that are obese and lazy than there are active and fit and able to actually protect you know family members yourself children for you personally to get away from an active shooting it's really important so when it comes to this being physically fit um legally owning a firearm being trained to use the firearm because one of the other issues there is like you take police officers and there's been a lot of conversation about this on the Rogan podcast where, um, you know, uh, there's, there is not nearly enough active training for these guys, like frequency of how much are they going and doing tactical shooting, firing their guns, going through these types of scenarios. So the best thing that we can all do is prepare ourselves. One, physically, and two, are you literally able to protect yourself? Do you legally own a firearm? Do you have a concealed carry permit? Um, Because there is not nearly enough training for these guys, you know, for that to be the be-all, end-all. And you look at a situation like this one, and and again, if I was in Texas and my child was in that school, I promise you that I would have made my way in there with a firearm myself and would have been willing to lay my life down because— At the end of the day, when you do carry a firearm, that's a lofty thing. That's not something to be taken lightly because, you know, you understand and acknowledge that you have the means to take a life if needed. And if it's for, you know, self-protective purposes, um, you know, that's not something that you go about casually. You know, so, you know, as you carry a firearm every single day, understand that you are taking on that responsibility to protect yourself and people around you. But to read this part where, you know, they're not legally obligated to protect you, that's pretty fucking sad. You know, and, and when I, I talk about how pissed off I am with the, the Uvalde police force um, for them not going into the school sooner, you know, and I say they should be held accountable. But you know what? 
these motherfuckers will never sleep another good night's sleep for the rest of their life. Because I don't give a shit if you were afraid, but if you stood there while these kids were being massacred, that'll be on their conscience until the day that they die. And that in itself is punishment enough. Oh, that's, a, that's a hell of a thing to live with. So, And they deserve it. Um, but it, it also says here, in both these court cases, clear and repeated threats were made against the safety of children, but government agencies chose not to take action. The public is generally unaware of this, and taxpayers uh, continue to pay handily for the non-protection they receive from police. In Uvalde, Texas, for instance, police services constitute nearly 40% of the city budget. Meanwhile, according to Salary.com, a sheriff's patrol sergeant in Uvalde makes up to $85,400 a year. That's nearly double the local median household income of $45,936 a year. In Uvalde, the police are well paid to stand around. So, yeah, it's, it's not a money problem. It's like you said, John Henry, it's an allocation problem. How much of their time do they allocate towards training, um, readiness, preparedness, their own physical preparedness, um, and, and things of that nature. But, you know, like in situations like that, I'm sure your adrenaline is, is incredible, right? So you get that adrenaline dump, your, your heart's racing, you can barely hold still. I mean, they teach you that kind of stuff and it wouldn't firing a firearm too, how to, how to control that, um, that body's reaction too. But do they teach necessarily how to control you know, the bullshit coming out of these things too. In these, in these, uh, police offices, I don't know. I've never been a police officer, probably wouldn't want to be, but, um, I have this piece by, it's called, uh, it's from, I protest by Donald Jeffries. It's called guns and drills and children. Oh my. And it asks the question, are we living in a Truman show? And John Henry, you, you and I have asked that question a lot during the course of this program. Uh, not just this one, but many others, of course. But it says, in most recent mass casualty shooting in Valde, Texas, raises the same troubling questions that pretty much every one of these events since the, at least the Gabby Giffords case. And he says, I need to qualify everything I write here. I am not claiming no one died here or in any of these incidents. I don't know anything for certain. And that just seems like, I love that because he just, he's coming across as like, okay, this is a good faith argument. I'm a person that thinks critically and I'm going to ask critical fucking questions. I'm not here to take advantage of any dead children and grieving families and, and the political shit. Like, I just want to know what the fuck actually happened. And, and it, uh, what's great about this piece, too, it says, but as I wrote an article on my blog years ago, and you can access my extensive archives articles here, and he has a link to his WordPress, um, it isn't irresponsible to question Sandy Hook or any other widely reported news story. I've pointed out to my fellow JFK assassination researchers that the Kennedy family could theoretically adopt the stance we've seen in the Sandy Hook case and sue researchers for harassing them by questioning the circumstances of Kennedy's death. Isn't it basically the same perspective? Aren't we traumatizing them by saying it was a conspiracy? And it says, of last report, and the numbers have grown, 19 children and two adults have died as a result of a mass shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. The gunman was identified as 18-year-old, fuck that guy. Despite some glaring examples of mainstream news attempting to lighten his photographic image, Ramos can—I'm sorry—that asshole K 
cannot be identified as white. Early reports claimed he was transgender too. I remember that coming out. I knew that wasn't going to fly, and lo and behold, before long, that was found to be disinformation. That asshole was just a kid with a gun. It wasn't mental illness. It wasn't Ritalin or Adderall. The gun made him do it. He's saying that facetiously. And also it says, as we find in all these narratives, early news reports completely contradict the latter. Official findings in one story, we learned that Valdi Mayor Dom McLaughlin told Fox News that one person has been shot and the shooter who ran to the school became barricaded inside of it. Yes, it was that actually that I read a, a something recently too. It was the changing it of an active shooter to a barricaded shooter is what changed the uh, the whole tactics of the situation, I believe. But we'll read on. The, the school later said Rob Elementary students are being transported to the Willie uh, De Leon Civic Center for Reunification. The Uvalde Cons- uh, Consolidated Independent School District first reported a lockdown at Robb Elementary at 11.43 a.m. local time and that students or staff are safe in the buildings. The district had said in a message to parents. So when you have shit like that happen to you, now I've never... Uh, Fortunately, I've never had anything like that happen directly to me. But just as, you know, people like us, John Henry, that are reading about these stories, when you see something like that coming out that early, isn't that a sick thing to have happened that the family's got a notice that everybody is A-OK? That's pretty fucked up. Now, it also says, now this report raises some interesting points. Again, it's not irresponsible to question How do you make a mistake like that, saying the students and staff are safe when so many had been shot? Kind of like the two Dallas police officers who found a weapon on the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository after JFK had been shot, both mistakenly identifying it as the same wrong weapon. And there are multiple reports that the school had been locked down prior to the shooting. Isn't it the most natural thing in the world to ask just how? a shooter entered a building under lockdown. If he was able to do that, exactly what purpose do these lockdowns serve? So also Jeffries goes on to talk about, you know, all of the, well, the door was propped. Well, open, yeah, that's yeah. Just to be well, clear. He's, he's asking these questions as things are developing too. But um, he goes on to talk about the one thing about this is the way that the school has done these school drills and and hired, like the right here it says these drills hire crisis actors to play the leading roles. Again, not a theory; it is a fact admitted by all that they use fake blood and fake victims. The police and EMT personnel often participate. Well, not only are you conditioning kids to live in a world like this by doing that, right? So I could see that argument. But here's the other side of the argument that I, I was thinking of: Aren't you showing? All of the potential school shooters that are attending school during these drills, exactly how to get around these safety measures. Aren't you demonstrating, aren't you showing them your playbook? If you're trying to prevent an offense and you're playing defense, if you're playing defense, do you run up to them? Do you show them the plays that you have? Hmm. Okay. So priming. I get that. 
But um, I, I just I just wanted to give a shout out to Don Jeffries there, and I'd like to talk to him sometime soon uh, about this as well, uh, among some other stuff, especially the JFK stuff. I think it'd be awesome. Now, let's move on to this. John Henry, I know you've been waiting to talk about this dick-faced fuck, Klaus Schwab. This one from Kit Knightley. Uh, Davos reveals building blocks for green social credit system. This morning on one of the WF's live stream panels, Alibaba Holdings President Jay, there's that, there's that first name as you're in a fucking initial thing again. Wow, you're on to something this week, John Henry, with that. Jay Michael Evans claimed that the company is working on an, on an app that could track an individual user's carbon footprint. The former Goldman S- <laughs> I'm sorry. The former, <laughs> I'm having trouble reading it out loud. The former Goldman Sachs vice chairman, of course, told the audience of the strategic outlook responsible consumption panel. Oh man, that's it's like a group of vampires about like conserving blood. Really, this is like a Blade movie. Uh, we're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? Hey, I've said this a hundred times. Folks, you have to go watch Rowdy Roddy Piper oh, and absolutely. They Live. Yeah. You no have to. There's a specific part where they end up in this big gala that's taking place. And, and this is all going to come together for you. It listen the first hour slow as fuck, but I make it through it because it's. I'm telling you, it is so, it is so current in that delivery right now for this exact type of thing. It says we're developing, comma, through technology and ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? And he goes like a snake. That's where they are traveling, how they are traveling, what they are eating, what are they consuming on our platform. So, an individual carbon footprint tracker. Now, it says, now to clarify, Evans was only talking about Alibaba's platform, but that's a big fucking platform. The Chinese company is the second largest e-commerce company in the world after Amazon, which revenues in excess of 715 billion yuan in 2021. Yeah, that's over $110 billion. That's not bad. And they're not just an e-commerce platform. Of course they're not. Through their financial and technological service companies, Alibaba runs the largest domain name market email provider, and cloud storage services in China. Conglomerate, yeah. And the largest payment platform in the world. So banking. Now through Ali Health, oh, that's disgusting, they supply online pharmacy services too, as well as providing computer technology to hospitals and clinics. Hey, who's the owner of Alibaba? Oh, was that Jack Ma? Remember when he disappeared? Oh, yeah. And Bill Gates' old buddy and, and hmm. lawyer was like, yeah, that's a great thing because fuck yeah. anybody that doesn't 
you know, get down with the GCO. <laughs> wonder how his re-education camp <clears throat> learning program. Went. Oh, I'm imagining like uh, you ever, uh, I'm sure you have seen it, John Henry, but uh, may, many of our listeners may not have, but there is a particular scene in one of the lethal weapon movies where he's being tortured by the Asian guy with the brush and the diehard battery. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure when he had his balls scrubbed by that thing you know, for a couple minutes, that, that'll enlighten you. Yeah, <laughs> but it says since they bought Auto Navi in 2014, they also own the biggest EMAP navigation company in China too. So they own every fucking thing that could possibly spy on you. Everything that you use on your phone, basically. Essentially, in China, if you want to pay for something on the internet, you probably use Alibaba. If you want to order something online from a small business, you probably use it. If you want to sell your stuff secondhand, if you probably, if you want to fucking be a prostitute, you have to deal with Alibaba. Anything. If you want to register a domain, go to a pharmacy, check into a hospital, send an email, and use a map or GPS. Yes. All of those things. They own it all. Kind of like, well, what fucking phone do you have? Do you have one of the two? Yeah. Kind of like those fucking people. <laughs> Other projects on the go include City Brain. Oh, that's disgusting. An AI designed to scan cities and provide streamlined traffic services. Warning of potential accidents as well as making public transport more efficient by barring you because you have a low social credit score and you can't escape your grid. A clear move towards smart cities. Yes, smart prisons. The company also has previous, uh, when it comes to individual carbon footprint apps, in 2017, their payment platform subsidiary and financial services would name Sixth and Fortune's Change the World list for its Ant Forest app. And according to Fortune, Ant Forest is the world's largest platform for tracking individuals' carbon footprints. And here's how it works. Users earn, earn points toward planting virtual trees by adopting earth-friendly habits. And the company plants a real tree for every 17.9 kilograms of carbon saved. They're incredibly vague on how users earn these points or what exactly these earth-friendly habits are, but it doesn't take a genius to make some educated guesses. It's probably going to tell you when you're pregnant and to tell you to you need to abort your child or else you can't get on the, the, the train platform. And while we've been focusing on the individual carbon footprint tracker, something else Evan says later in this panel is just as interesting. The third thing, we call it green travel. So we have within our business something called a map, a mapping, think Google map, or Google maps or ways, she has to say it, plus travel destination business. So what we're going to allow people to do is... She says, so what we're going to allow people to do is, first of all, calculate the best and most efficient route and also the most efficient form of transportation. And then if they take advantage of those recommendations, recommendations, we'll give them bonus points, which they can redeem elsewhere on our platform. Hey, I'm going to start a platform right now, bitch. Here's a bunch of bonus points. Stick them in your ass. All right. And um, it also says, uh, so let's put three facts together. It seems Alibaba currently has apps either being used to or in development that monitor travel routes or methods and reward users for making the correct choice. 
um, can track an individual's carbon footprint, including what they eat and wear. And three, have users earn points for Earth-friendly habits. Wow. Even individually, these functions are worrying enough, but they combine to paint a very concerning picture of the future. Further combine that and what we know of the company's reach through its subsidiaries, smart cities, banking, healthcare records, emails, internet activity, and fucking everything. Um, how long before Alibaba decides to reward other correct choices that have nothing to do with the environment? Like vaccination, for example? How long after that do they start pushing, or I'm sorry, punishing incorrect choices? They already technically have access to the data they would need to construct this system. It would be naive in the, ex in the extreme to not see where this leads. And of course, it won't just be China. If Alibaba is doing this, then Google, Amazon, Apple, and all the rest of them won't be far behind. Man, well written. So, let's talk about uh, old Gav. You, you brought up old Gav has the fucking COVID-19 now, this asshole. Um, it says California Gavin Newsom has tested positive for COVID-19, his office said Saturday. Aww. The California Democrats press office said and released that the governor's tested positive Saturday morning, one day after a visit from New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. You know, good old zero COVID Jacinda, the one that's a fucking millionaire now for no <laughs> damn reason. The one that laughs about the lack of freedom for the citizens mm -hmm. of New Zealand. And tells them that they need to get used to it because it's a new world yes. order. That's her bitch. words. She mm -hmm. flew. Yeah, teeth. All the way. Fucking horse mouth, yeah. Jacinda. She flew all the way from New Zealand to, to tell Gavin Newsom that climate change is bad. I think that they should put her in the fucking internment I, camp since she's been oh, exposed. Oh, she has been. And it says, she, oh, and. And it says, of course, to San Francisco, the, the best city, too, to, to highlight that, where the two leaders held an event announcing a climate change partnership. What the fuck is wrong with you people? First off, why does she have to fly to America to tell us that climate change is bad if, if pumping out carbon in the air from the fucking plane is more than I'll ever do in my lifetime? Like, why do I have to have an app that tells me what to eat now because of that? <laughs> Just, just you know, just t taking your shit for granted, right? Take taking it that it actually happens this way, and I don't believe it happens this way, by the way. Um, but uh, still, if we wanted to work in their own rule book, none of this shit makes sense. Also, it it also highlights. I don't know how we skip past this. Governor Hochul also had COVID nineteen too. That was earlier this month. Fuck her as well. Um, but it says Newsom's office said the fifty four year old governor is exhibiting mild symptoms. That's the but her emails. It's the same kind of fucking reaction that we get every time. He has mild symptoms though, so that means it's something good happened there. No, no, nothing good happened with those vaccines. You're a stupid ass. And will undergo a five-day regimen of Paxlovid antiviral, which doesn't fucking work. It just came out another thing that came out that said that this shit has negative efficacy. Another study. And he's going to take it because yeah, it's produced by our I, owners, uh, Pfizer. 
glad I declined that when it was offered to me here a couple negative weeks ago. efficacy. Bad, bad, bad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had it in a separate article, but I didn't include it, but I can include it. The governor is fully vaccinated. Do you know why they recommended that hmm. to me? Why is that? Because to take um, monoclonal antibodies, they have to check your, it's either liver enzymes. I, I think it's your, either your liver or pancreas. They have to make sure it's operating okay. correctly. So the doctor recommended I take packs of it because she goes, it's just easier because you don't have to, we don't have to do it a blood test. It's just easier. So, you know. Just easier. That's what her response was to me. It's just easier. I'm sure that was in the sales pamphlet she was it. given by Pfizer. Mm-hmm. Just tell them it's just easier. Yeah. Or at the dinner with the drug rep she talked yeah. to. It might not have any efficacy whatsoever. It might give you fucking cancer, but it's just easier. You know, you don't have to fill out another form. We don't have to like draw more blood or anything. Like you could just let us experiment on you with this. Cause that's what healthcare is nowadays. Fuck. But it, uh, yeah, besides the Paxlovid bullshit by Pfizer, the governor is fully vaccinated and twice boosted. Most recently, May 18th. You mean he was just boosted and it did the same thing that it's done to everybody, which is destroy their immediate immunity. Like, and then they get COVID right afterwards and then they don't count them as boosted. They count them in the previous thing. Like we talked about a few episodes ago or fucking 10 episodes or 20 episodes ago or however long we've been living in this hell <laughs> that, you know, every time that they give a booster, it fucks up the immune system and then they blame the previous booster. So the new shit appears that it works. It's a gimmick. It's fucking terrible. But it says as outlined in California's smarter plan, which focuses on testing and treatment the governor will test prior to leaving isolation. And Newsom's office said, adding that vaccinations and boosters remain the best way to protect yourself from COVID-19. Well, if that's the best way, then there is no really good way. And then lastly, to wrap up uh, covering a little bit of the elite before we uh, end this, uh, let's, let's talk about Paul. Let's talk about Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, who's fucking 82 being arrested for DUI. One, Paul shouldn't even be driving. No, look at his fucking regular ass face. <laughs> Just kidding there, 82-year-olds, if there's anybody out there listening. Um, I think Nancy was driving. Where was Nancy? Yeah. Where was That's Nancy? I know. And I could, I could see Paul they here. Like, just look at him. And, and like, for those of you that are just listening, I'm sorry. But for those of you that are watching here, look at this guy's fucking face. Can you see him all drunked up? He'd be like, oh, hey, come on, little kid. I, I want to show you where we buried some kids. <laughs> Can I tell you how how I visualize this? So let's say that old Paul was just driving himself and nobody was in the car with him and Nancy wasn't there. I hope he's being chased by the ghosts of children in his mind. I hope he's fucking insane and an alcoholic for all the horrors he's created on earth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The horrific piece of shit. Haunted. With his fucking liver spots on his neck. Um, I visualize this as him getting pulled over. Right, he's clearly driving. I'm probably a fucking Bentley or a Maybach, right? And uh, the police officer pulls him over, and I just visualize the moment of him saying the words that we know he said. We know oh, yeah. he said this. Do you know who I am? And I hope and I pray that the police officer was a patriot and one of us. Yeah. And I hope that he got half a little boner yeah. 
by responding with, yes, a drunk old asshole that's going to yeah. jail. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I want to imagine this unfolding. Yeah. Really, uh, I mean, we've, we've had uh, ups, our ups and downs this episode with the police and authorities. <laughs> but uh, in, this one, in this one case, you know, I, I hope that uh, whomever the arresting officer was, I hope they got a kick out of this fucking shit. And it does say in the article here from the Post, uh, the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband was arrested in California this weekend and charged with drunk driving. Paul Pelosi, 82, was nabbed just before midnight in Napa County, California, and charged with one count of driving under the influence, another for driving with a blood alcohol content level of 0.08 or So let me higher. ask you this, then. So <clears throat> what you just said, I mean, so was that a higher level? Is that like a DWI? Because he was fucking oh, hammered. Oh, it could be. Yeah, it's anything that's. Uh, so this is the thing about uh, the the drunk driving. They, you may know more oh, about yeah. this. Than um, <laughs> yeah, you, you used to drink a little bit. So now, when it comes down to it, it says the blood alcohol content level of 0. 0.08 or higher means that when he got pulled over, if he was anything over that, that's the law. Anything over the 0. 0.08, he's fucked. Um, and he could have been a 0. 0.09. He could have been a point one five. Um, they're probably not going to tell us, um, and it's going to be part of his uh, records, though, his medical because they have when they when they do uh, give him some sort of judgment. I believe um, how high exactly that was is going to determine. Like, well, <laughs> never mind. It's okay, not going to so determine any time. He's just going to get off. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Point it'll be a community service that he can serve serving his old nasty bitch oh. wife. So the federal limit is point yeah. zero eight. Yeah. So it says um, gotcha. the California Democrat's husband was booked around four thirteen a.m. Man, that's a fucking wow. That's a wild night. Fucking partying hard. Sunday and released a few hours later at seven twenty six. Can you imagine? Oh my! If you had a fucking GoPro like in the car of nancy like waking up fucking hammered right so she was probably like drinking with oh, maybe yeah. with him all night or something like that imagine her having to go and pick his ass up like for, for, yeah. imagine the shit that he said to this <laughs> oh, cop God. while he was being taken in your fucking career's ruined i'll have your oh, badge like, could you imagine i would love that? to do like an snl sketch uh skit show where we can have people play these two as as fucking fall down drunks and all of their different hijinks yeah. like this. <laughs> I would cast the Crypt mm. Keeper. Um, Keeper. Or the guy that played the Leprechaun with her oh, green dress on there oh, to play yes. her. Ugh, it's nasty. And you can you can see you can see through to the the, the awful, the awful, awful flesh underneath. All right. And his, uh, his arrest was re- first reported on TMZ on Sunday. It says, and more details surrounding the incident were not immediately available, and it's unclear if Pelosi was driving alone when he was arrested. So, yeah, where was Nancy? The Napa, California Police Department told the Post who was not involved in the arrest, and the Napa County Sheriff's Office did not immediately return a request for comment. Drew Hamill, spokesman for Nancy Pelosi, said that the speaker will not be commenting on this private matter which occurred while she was on the East Coast, so she was not there. She was in the Hamptons. Yeah, she up. was she was getting wrecked in the Hamptons instead. So, oh well, mm-hmm. well. All right, I'm going to speculate. Yes. Ooh, who else was in the car? Okay. Oh, who's in the trunk? Who's in of the, the trunk car? of the car? Oh God. No, not even that part. My speculation is. 
that he'll get off. They're going to say that it was um, something with his medication. Okay. They'll blame Big Pharma. Oh, yeah. Because everybody, I mean, everybody believes that because you shouldn't be driving on Ambien, but people do. Uh, it says, mm-hmm. the Congresswoman was in Providence, Rhode Island Sunday to give the commencement speech. Holy fuck. Hold on a second. Paul and Nancy have been married since 1963. That's the year my dad oh. was born. That means they've been married for 58 years. How old is that wretched old fucking bitch? Old. Yeah. And it says that she gave a commencement. Oh, all those, all those great. Aren't you glad at Brown University shelling out all that fucking money for a college education? You got Nancy Pelosi drunk with her fucking teeth falling out of her face after just learning that her husband was arrested. Telling you, graduate, you are hope. She told her students, we know mm. this. Hope is the most powerful weapon against stretch against oh, democracy. Fucking grotesque. And we should have the hope because we believe in America. Oh, God. While giving her a speech, one person yelled, we need gun control, and another shouted, criminal at her, according to the Boston Globe. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> that guy, hell yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. That person's going to do really good in life. Now, Paul, he is he founded and ran Financial Leasing Services, a successful, you don't say, venture capital company. You know, all these venture capitalist groups and NGOs and shit that we've been talking about lately. Hmm. And the two amassed an estimated personal fortune of more than $110 million in 2018, according to Open Secrets, a nonprofit that tracks money in politics. Yeah, but here's what we already know. We, we've we talked about Paul in the past about how he gets all the government contracts mm-hmm. from Nancy. Yeah, because in March, so we, he we bought $2.2 million dollars of Tesla stock. There's our little boy Elon popping up did. this episode. We haven't really talked about him. And some in Congress mm-hmm. proposed banning lawmakers and their spouses from stock trading. Now, let's uh, we want to highlight some uh, great coverage and some things that have been going on. Uh, I just wanted to give some quick shout outs before we give our final thoughts for this week. Um, giving this one to the last American vagabond. This has been an amazing fucking channel all throughout COVID and all sorts of bullshit. And they did one on the monkey pox, the Texas shooting and the ISIS plot. And also uh WHO international health regulation amendments. It was a uh, four hour <laughs> uh, broadcast this week from Ryan. He is a monster. Um, and also, uh, condolences to him because I believe he just lost his pup. So, but yeah, great guy. And then, uh, the monkey pox part one from our boy Silas, like we brought up before, man, this was a great video. Um, definitely wanted to give him a shout out for that too. And, uh, on Odyssey, we can repost these. So if you do follow us on Odyssey, um, you can also see a lot of the videos that our friends post because we can repost them there and share them there too. So other people can discover more cool content and creators out there. And then lastly, I definitely wanted to give a huge shout out to this guy, man. Uh, the person responsible for the dis- the system is down, Dan Smot. So this is, uh, uh, Dan is um, kind of like us. You can see he's going after like the same kind of people talking about the same shit. And Dan runs in the libertarian liberty circles, apparently, and is good friends with our friend, a uh, crypto man who's been on the show before. Um, so, uh, this past week I got a little message on Twitter from crypto that, uh, he's on a new track. And of course I wanted to go and 
check that out. That is this track featured down here in the corner uh, called Freedom or Die. It's definitely lyrics right up our alley, and that's this one right here. So um, all this available on Odyssey and also on our our page too, along with there. So go make sure to give them uh, some traffic there. But awesome track, man. And I really liked um, not only Crypto's flow right at the beginning, which was awesome, but um, everybody pretty much contributed really well to this. And I just think that, you know, for something like this track coming out here uh, this week, freedom or die, whenever it comes to the government taking away our, our right to speak, our right to think, our right to bear arms, um, when we're constantly fighting these infringements on our rights, um, that yes, when it comes down to it, it is freedom or die. And we will choose freedom every single time or die doing it. Um, so John Henry, any final thoughts for this week? Uh, no, just a thank you again to uh, our veterans and uh, you know every veteran that has lost their life in protecting our great country and our great constitution. Um, you know, I hope everybody has a very safe Memorial Day. And, you know, just to finish up, um, you know, my closing thought is really two words, guys. It's personal responsibility. And uh, in all of these topics that we cover and, you know, really ask yourself, if I'm, am I doing the best that I can when it comes to, you know, your fitness, your health, um, you know, your political standings, your conversations you have with the people around you. We all have to take a personal responsibility to the trajectory of what happens in this country. And really in our life every single day. And that's, um, you know, it's so incredibly important. So I'm almost finished with Cameron Haynes' new book, uh, Endure. And that's, uh, it's a fantastic book um, just for basically telling you you're a bitch. But it doesn't say that in so many words. One thing I really appreciate about Cam Haynes, who is uh, really the, the best bow hunter on the planet Earth, also runs ultra marathons. Just a really, really, really great guy. Um, just a huge fan of his. But it just talks about outworking everybody else. And that, you know, enough isn't enough. You have to do more if you want to accomplish great things. And, you know, one of the things Cam talks a lot about a lot is because I don't coach people. I don't tell people to do this. All I can tell you is what works for me. And he's such a good example um, to, I think, really everybody. You know, it's motivated me. I'll tell you that. It's kicked me in the ass this week. You know, because I thought I was getting shit done. And I got to tell you, you know, when you read words like that and understand what other people do in a 24 hour period of their life, it makes you realize that I can do more. So when it comes to, you know, these conversations, these topics, fighting for freedom, being healthy, protecting your family, protecting those around you, as we can all do more, but we have to take our personal responsibility for that and really apply it. So, um, you know, his uh, his slogan is, you know, keep hammering. And, uh, you know, we talked about it last week that, uh, you know, he says, nobody cares, work harder. Uh, I, I love those two things. So, guys, as, um, as we go through this and we continue this fight, nobody cares what we've accomplished up until this point. We have to work harder and, uh, and we have to keep hammering. So, happy Memorial Day. Please be safe. We appreciate you guys coming back. Please, uh, you know, share the good word. Uh, hopefully, we've offered you some insight on some things here. And, um, you know, by all means, leave some comments. You know, we love feedback, guys. So, uh, everybody enjoy your week and uh, let's uh, all keep our fingers crossed and and really hope that uh, you know what we need to happen happens in this uh, in this Durham Sussman case and you know uh, I'm not a Bill Barr guy anymore I'm pretty unhappy with some things he said and decisions he's made but one of the things he did say 
um, is this is a seditious activity by Hillary Clinton. And it's every single fucking episode that we have. Somehow the Clintons get brought up and I can only hope that they're brought to justice. So um, let's hope for the right outcome and hope that comes on Tuesday. So I uh, appreciate all of you and spending your time with us, guys. Have a, have a great week. Thank you, John Henry. And just to wrap up, like some of my thoughts, what's been going through my head, especially this past week with this shooting is there are many stages of grief. There are many different ways that people deal with mourning and loss. And the, for the people that experience this, you know, directly and the people that are experiencing it through the media and, and, and having that empathetic connection, there's many different things that people want to express to one another. But the one thing that I've noticed is, is that the people on our side that want to send thoughts and prayers, that they do so because they want something better. They want something better for their fellow man. It might not always be right. It might always be the solution to the problem that I would want. But I would take somebody wanting something better for me than somebody that wants to control me or take things from me. So until we meet again, and until we are free, we are the new prisoners. Thank you for listening to The New Prisoners. Let us know what you think about this week's topics on our Minds page and Substack, or leave a comment under our video on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brideon. You can also risk being shadow banned, suspended, or permanently banned on Twitter and Instagram with us, or speak freely with us on Gab. Please feel free to share your own sources with us, And remember to share the information we provided you here. You never know what kind of difference it could make. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email thenewprisonernumber6 at protonmail.com. Provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. And you can also donate to The New Prisoners through anchor.fm slash thenewprisonernumber6 slash support. There, you can make a monthly donation of $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99. We also have a Subscribestar, where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. Or you could donate US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey. All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Demand answers, not orders. We are the new prisoners.